0: frying pan and into the fire run. <laughs> run
1: welcome to episode three of out of the frying pan a middle-earth strategy battle game podcast that a few wizards short of a white council um my name is stuart and i'm here with my co-hosts dan and sam how's it going guys
2: not bad at all, how bad. Yourself? I'm good, I'm
1: good. This is where we yeah, pretend we haven't actually bit been bit talking for about 45 minutes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we don't
2: really have time to be civil to each other anymore. We're done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done what, what often happens in the kind of warm-up for a podcast, is you talk about all the stuff that you're going to talk about, and it actually becomes proper conversations, and you realise that you, we should be recording this, because this is what we're going to talk about later. Um, so let's 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 tell everyone what we've got coming up in the show so the first section as always is many meetings um where we talk about what we've been up to since we last recorded um i think we've all been doing some little bits and bobs in in the hobby um i went to throne of skulls so that's going to be uh <laughs> most of what i talk about um Um, and then after that we have our Council of Elrond um, and our main topic today will be, surprise surprise uh, the War in Rohan book which was released at the weekend so we'll go to a short break and when we come back with many meetings
3: Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs we stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk. and Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink.
1: And we're back again with many meetings, so um this is where we bore you with what we've been up to since we last recorded and uh it's been a, a slightly longer gap um since we recorded from the first couple of shows um so hopefully we've all been up to lots of um SBG or lord of the rings related stuff maybe not maybe not all of us we'll see it was how it goes <laughs> um so who wants to go first sam are you gonna um give us some details of your lovely um hobbit hobbying
3: uh, I, I'm going to be really honest. This is going to be extremely quick. Uh, I primed my four new Hobbit characters the other day, and that's it. It's all good. I'm really, really sorry.
1: <laughs> you don't have to apologise. You know, yes, uh, you're, you not, you're not. You're not. You're <laughs> not going to be marked on it. <laughs> not, I, I like our um, show notes. We, we've got a shared doc where we put all of our notes in for the show, and Sam tends to work from from notes on his phone or a bit of paper or something and he just sort of really sheepishly apologised a few minutes for not adding his notes to it and wanted us to know that he does actually care and he does do lots of (laughs) prep for the show. It doesn't
2: show he's working, it's terrible. No, he
1: doesn't. Well, we're going to publish these notes and you the listeners can can tell us whether we think that Sam's really pulling his weight. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find the sculpts, Sam? How did you find the sculpts? Uh, I've I've only seen them in the pictures, really. I don't think I've had any in my hands.
3: The sculpts overall are absolutely beautiful. Um, the one thing that is a little bit difficult, if you've got like um, spam hands like I do, um, <laughs> trying to attach some of the arms to... <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it's it's uh, the guy throwing the stone and one of the brace girdle bunch. Yeah. Um they they have such tiny little arms that you're trying to super glue these tiny arms on. Uh-huh. I can't hold the physical arm. It's like trying to put a single grenade uh, in a really like convoluted place. But, um, yeah, the the sculpts are absolutely <laughs> outstanding. They look great, especially in black. So <laughs> spam <I>
1: mean- <laughs> spam hands. <laughs> I've I've, I've uh-huh. not you are you referring that maybe you've got large Fingers or something. I've not heard spam hands before. Those sausage oh, fingers, small, but... small hands, but also
3: really small fingers at the same time. Oh, part, like.
1: spam hands! I just wondered if they were
3: slightly salty.
1: Were tinned. <laughs> Good as really fritters. Meat. Good as fritters and served. With... No. no. <laughs> oh no. How's the scale versus the um, all of the sort of year older metal sculpts?
3: Um The, I think they're pretty much exactly the same i i'd say they're probably a little bit smaller but a better scale so they don't necessarily match up exactly with the other guys but it's because they can get much better detail on smaller heads so the heads are obviously one of the main areas on these guys where they're going to have the most detail and the heads are smaller but carry so much more detail than say like the sheriff's
1: Right, I see. I, I don't know why, but I've assumed they might be slightly larger just because there's not really been as much scale scale creep in in Middle-earth stuff as there has been in, in the other systems, but because they look a little bit kind of fuller in the face maybe than, than, than some of the older sculpts do, and they seem a little bit more heroic, shall we say, in their build maybe, mm. so I thought they might be bigger, but that sounds, sounds good.
2: Do you reckon that's yeah, reined I- in by the agreements they may have with New Line perhaps about certain... Way things aesthetically should look potentially.
1: I think I would assume this is a massive assumption, but that I would assume just by kind of sticking to the reference material that that's naturally going to kind of rein them in a little bit anyway. Because um, I know they use obviously still use all the film stuff as as references. I'm sure I'm sure Rob mentioned somewhere it might have been in one of his posts in GBHL last week about to do with the not being the and stuff or the help I can't remember but something to do with the War in Rohan but they they looked at new reference material they had new reference material from um, from Wetter I think for something I can't remember what it was in relation to mm. so they still obviously use that stuff Um but
2: yeah, yeah beautiful sculpts because uh, obviously I saw the ones in the cabinets at Warhammer the other week and they're just obviously it's the official paint jobs the ones they've taken the photos for mm-hmm. obviously all promotional are ridiculous they're
1: amazing aren't they so really beautiful amazing. sculpts mm a no, really good. It's all in the shop as well. So if you, it's all in the shop. It's mm. There's not really anything in the um in the the, the miniatures museum. Obviously, they are adding a, that big big table that they've announced. That big display going in. I think it's going in the museum rather than just Warhammer well, World. It might not be, but but all of the the actual studio miniatures are actually in the in with the SBG miniatures in the shop. There's got a, there's a big section there. Uh, because even the forge world stuffs in the main shop rather than the forge world store as well. Just so they keep it all, all the line oh, really? together. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think it used to be split. I might be wrong, but they're definitely all together in the one place around right, in the in the store, which is really nice. You mm-hmm. go in there, and there's a wall full of SPG stuff, and then next to it is a is the lit cabinet with all of the the studio painted miniatures right next to them all as well. So that's um, it's quite nice.
2: That, that smell so nice.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't <laughs> wait. Next as soon as as soon as I've got things sort of got a bit of time and things are settled down after Christmas I will be getting my um my unbuilt warhound titan on 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 a trading site and selling that and purchasing a smag because I'm I probably use S- smag once or twice for a game whereas I'll never use the the warhound especially as I'm only playing spg at the moment. Um but even if I'm going to have a painted miniature on the shelf and monks and books or something I think smag's going to look better anytime any time of the day well I, I'm kind of preaching to a SPG crowd listening to this really and they're all going to say yes but um, I think personally I'd rather have a, a painted smalg on a shelf than a painted uh, titan on a shelf so um, what else I was going to say about those sculpts I can't remember now it's gone 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 out of my head um, so what your, what your, what's up next for you Sam what your, what's your next painting thing planned for, for SPG or next game planned or anything coming
3: up uh, oh god uh so Christmas is pretty much a write off for me for any uh sort of SBG hobby. I I'm hoping to get some games in after Christmas, but I think I'm gonna try and get the fellowship finished. I know I said that I was gonna do that in the last episode, but um yeah. Fellowship I think is the uh first thing on the table in terms of painting.
1: Nice, I'm looking forward we've you've, you've done some already, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you finish off. We'll have to get together fairly soon in the new year, I think. Get some more, get some more games in for you. Maybe we can find a day off, and we're when we're off together. and We can all meet somewhere and um, get a few games in. Even if we do some, if you get your fellowship done, and we get some narrative scenarios in, order, do just just bash for a few games, so that you've got a bit more game experience. And because yeah. once those uh, mechanics start sticking a bit more, the game starts to make more, make a lot more sense as well. you are still in that very early stage of very new learning, all of that kind of second stage where everything sticks and then you can start learning your armies kind of thing but
3: i think we need to yeah, the need to Hen scenario is definitely top of my list for a game i want to play which is handy because i've got all the models i'm just going to say if you've got if you
1: got the all the uruks as well for that you have, haven't you so
3: yeah because it's basically once one uh Uruk-hai scout box the fellowship and, Lerts, and that's Fun. it brilliant fantastic okay, so that's definitely on the list and obviously it's a small amount of models it's a small table as well
1: so yeah i've just watched it on fail charge games actually giving them another shout They're gonna think uh, <laughs> yeah. people are gonna think i'm um, i'm on some kind of pay from them um if you haven't seen it go and have a look sam it's really quite really one of their recent videos and they do a really good job of it
3: um, oh nice i'll um i'll be honest i've been so rubbish watching youtube videos over the last couple of months but yeah i'll um i'm gonna try and sit down and t- I can watch it whilst I'm doing painting or something
1: like that. Absolutely, I I didn't used to do that with um, battle reports, so I think I'm going to miss them. But then some of them are quite long, so I'll be watching at night and I'll be nodding off. But now I've started watching more and more YouTube when I'm when I'm painting now, not just podcasts. And I've been getting through quite a lot, and you take in a lot more than you think, even if it's just listening yeah. to them talking through that. You'll help you for the learning the game as well. Just hearing them talk through the phases of the game and what they're rolling and where they're doing it, it starts to you start to remember it when you go and playing yourself. So definitely good. It's cool though. It's good. Certainly, you've got you've got lots on. You've got lots to do still. You've got goals and things to do. So, and you need to yes. start painting Uruk's because um, I'll definitely be painting some Rohan next year, and I will be building a
3: big Helm's Deep, and we we need Uruk's for a big game. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the upcoming things. One of the upcoming things. He does have
1: elves. <laughs> he does have elves. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be. It, it won't be, but it is going to be well after. Well, after my event, so don't worry, you'll have plenty of time after that to do it. Um, what about yourself then, Dan? So, what have you been up to?
2: Well, uh, not as much hobby necessarily as I'd wanted to of late, like, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, I've been a bit of a slow one for me, hobby wise. Um, lost a little bit of my mojo, if I'm honest with you, uh, but I have been reading, doing lots of hobby related reading, and uh. Not all Lord of the Rings related, I'll have to confess, but there's been some quite tasty Black Library uh, <laughs> drops in the last month or so, including ones that had me tearing my hair out trying to get hold of them on the uh, <laughs> Games of the website, let's put it that way. Um, but I have managed to do some bits and pieces. Obviously, I made it up to um, Warhammer World for this Saturday, uh, the Saturday when throw of Skulls was on. I saw you up there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there for playing other games, but uh, I was sneaking off uh, to... Uh, a bit of mingling uh, meet some people uh, it was really nice to meet uh, Matt of uh, gen shift and facing mm-hmm. fame uh, see his ridiculous board uh, yes. that was a superlative piece of hobby that uh, top job. top top, top job um, and just generally sort of you know have a bit of a mooch around and uh, see sort of the community and again I was it always amazes me how diverse and friendly and accepting and just very friendly, more than anything else, the the SPG community is, and not just the players themselves, but the the guys running things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's wonderful that Rob's been engaging with us in in the groups on Facebook. Um, obviously the events team are all very pumped up for it; they're all very excited for everything they're doing. It was um, really good to see Sophie. Those of you at Thrown the Skulls would have would have met her. She's she's fantastic. I'm slowly chipping away at us to try and get a into SPG a bit more, but uh, trying to prize her away from her 40k at the moment. I've cracked her on heresy, but I just, I just need to get her into SPG now. So, um, shout out to her. It was always good to see her. And uh, the, the, the creepiest looking photo we managed to take with Mr. Fox as well. So. <laughs>
1: Isn't <laughs> uh, that every photo um, you take with him? He looks creepy.
2: That makes us both look creepy by a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really good to be up there for that. And um, I wanted to stay a bit longer, but it, it, you know, it, it didn't plan out. I did plan to stay for the announcements and the quiz and stuff. And obviously, saw sort of stew and enjoyed that. Bought some models. I bought the last of the elves bits I need. Uh, so they're all assembled now and uh, undercoated, ready for airbrushing. So I'm going to make a concerted effort on those over Christmas because for the first time in a few years, I've actually got the Christmas period off. Hooray! Um, nice. First day I'll be sleeping, the rest of it will be um, making merry and painting, hopefully not at the same time. I'm trying to paint the eyes is bad enough sober. <laughs> um, yes, it's been some good times, um, although I haven't obviously been doing quite as much physical hobby as i want to. I've been uh, keeping abreast of things. The... Uh, Green Dragon, obviously, have dropped their recent episode, the uh, Dead of her episode. Mm-hmm. I've just finished listening to that. Very, very good, uh, which is helping with this uh, mummock brinkmanship we seem to be having around here at the moment. So uh, I think a King of the Dead's on the cards at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, just generally sort of trying to keep my eye in. And, uh, you know, I'm tinkering away here and there. Thand- Thandral's looking at me. That's the problem. I, I really want to paint him, but I've got too much to paint first that I really do need to get started and get on with, because once I get the momentum going, I'll just plough through and finish them off. Paint them if but, you want yeah. to, though.
1: I think you've got more time than you think they have.
2: Yeah, I've also committed to a few other bits and pieces that are non-SVG related, so they're, yeah, they're ticking away in the... It's
1: true, so. but I still think I still think you've got enough time. And even if it got to two weeks before Flotsman Jetsam. You could get those elves done, couldn't you? Let's face it. Oh,
2: yeah. If I had to, I don't want to have. And to And if do it by painting way. him, it
1: gets your, it kind of gets you back into the, you know, helps your painting mojo, or he's not there staring at you, going, paint me, paint me, because. Mm. If by painting him that helps you do it, then then do it because sometimes that's might he might be a bigger distraction than 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 you think just by ignoring him. But obviously you know your own brain, you know what. what.
2: Yeah, I did clear a significant block this morning though because I did wake up early, and could get back to sleep, so I actually finished the not SPG my uh, this drop pod. They're literally that thing I hate painting more than anything else in any game system ever. <laughs> I, I would rather Don't assemble you're alone, alone in that one <laughs> hundred uh, uh, like Ogre Kingdom scrap launchers. With my toes, <laughs> than paint them. I hate them. And that's done. Finished it this morning, so that's that's a major win for me. I can actually get on with something I'll enjoy a bit more. They're not determined fun to paint. To that.
1: They're not fun to paint. All put together, to be honest with you. I've just finished painting six of varying sizes for, for work this week, um, including the Dreadnought one and. Um, and um, Monotonous. And three of the um, Dread claws as well, which are fun to put together. Let's just say. <laughs> scars on my fingers proved to that one. Much, but, much um, swearing. But
2: yeah, it's but it's good to get something done. That was a major block for me painting wise. So I think that's really going to we could push tell. things on. Because <laughs> you get mo- you, yeah. you
1: get moaned about it, which is fair enough. I think you should moan about stuff that is annoying. I don't? think
2: the problem was as well. I was originally supposed to be for the reason I was at Warhammer World at the time. And then um, because of someone having to drop out, I switched and used an army that I already had fully painted models for, so I didn't need to finish it, so I didn't bother. Just made it even harder so to it, finish. Yeah, well, you know, if life's not hard enough. Make it harder for yourself. <laughs> why not? But no, it's um, it's I haven't got an awful lot to show necessarily for what I've been doing, but there has been hobby, and I've, I've been keeping my enthusiasm up. Yeah, absolutely. Which is always what it's what counts really, a bit. and obviously, looking at the warmer Handbook, which we'll discuss further later, but. There's some brilliant stuff in that. It's like such a good book. Yeah. And something's going to be really, sort of, you know, it's been really interesting seeing how much of it we'd guessed at. That. And that's half the fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely some surprises. Some, mm. um, because the things that seem like low, ha- low, hang- yeah. low hanging fruit in terms of a guess. That'd be completely wrong on which we'll obviously cover later, but we've I mean, I think you both put yourselves down in terms of you almost feeling guilty that you've not painted like whole new armies or units of SBG stuff. That just, just sounds like the reality of most people's hobby within the space mm. of what has it been two weeks or ten days since we last recorded. We've talked about multiple game systems and we've talked about spg nearly every day chatting in our messenger chat and stuff so there's definitely that's that is hobby for a lot of people too busy to to do stuff or you know family life and things and work life taking people away from from doing hobby um, yeah being on
2: calls not helped for that in the last week or so to be honest with you so um ex- yeah
1: I'm exactly to too, too, too exactly when half of hobby is talking about it and i think if you in the modern day of everything been on the internet it's definitely feels i can feel connected to to the hobby just by going onto the facebook groups each day i might all my painting may have been in a in a completely different universe <laughs> and that's only because of work really in the last couple of week or so since since i got back from throne of skulls but um if it wasn't for Throne of skulls i might not have done the last bits of painted i did which i needed to take there either because i had a lot of time pressure around me to do other things i just did it because i had to so yeah definitely don't beat yourselves up either of you about because we're recording an SPG podcast that you haven't completed a, an SPG model in the last sort of <laughs> 10 days or so. That's just reality. Some people go ages without paying anything. It's about talking about the game and being excited about the releases and things and the, how regular things seem to be coming out for this this system at the moment it means there's always something to talk about. And it's been. This
3: is very true. It's only just over a year, so since, since, people rely on us, Stu. They <laughs> <laughs> rely on us for their content. Beacons of hobby. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, that could.
1: That, on, that be light been, in the that's another. That would have been another possible um um
2: name for the podcast, wouldn't it? Beacons of hobby. Oh, the beacons are lit. Yeah, they're burning definitely. Um, come on, regale us with your your, your jaunt.
1: Oh yeah, so so Throne of Skulls I'm trying to think if I've done anything else SPG related in the last two weeks I don't think I have apart from finishing off the the last things I did to paint so what, what did we talk about in the last show I needed to paint some spears didn't I Dane and, um, and Iron Hills
2: basically basically
1: all the Iron Hills stuff and I couldn't get the spears done so I um my Iron Hills contingent was Dane um, Mar- three goats and the ballista and I just filled out my war bands for the um uh, a thrall side side with more arable dwarves basically so in many ways those warbands got stronger um at the expense of slightly better spears in in the iron hills ones but yeah it wasn't really a problem the end of the day was trying to make a as an all bizarre theme i said it um trying to make the theme right with with dane there and i didn't want just dane he had to have something with him and i didn't want to just put a a, a ballista, really, because I just looked gamey. Um, uh, but I nice, though, sir. Yeah, thank three you, north. thank you. They were, they were, they were fine. They're not, you know, they, they're decent tabletop, ta- a good tabletop, I'll say that, and a good tabletop standard, um, army painting stuff. Um, I was very happy with the way they came out for, for for playing the game with. Um, and I was quite happy with the, the board, it was it received pretty well, and um, it was fun doing one. I wasn't, like I said in the last show, it wasn't exactly what i wanted in terms of final finish i had to cut a few corners in terms of time but next time round, i'm gonna probably start the board six months out and um make sure i don't have to rush any bits but yeah um tip of this is probably starting with a big statement it's probably my favorite wargaming event i've been to um really really enjoyed it i enjoyed it that much i've been to some good ones before i've been to some, some a couple of nice heresy events i've been to events for other systems i used to go to a war machine kind of Event which was spread over three days in a hotel, so that mini con sort of feel, and that was super friendly and laid back. But um, I think it was the atmosphere. You...
3: Interrupt. Go for it. But, um, that's actually that's really good to hear because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but more often than not, I hear the opposite of Warhammer World events. So it's actually really good to hear that it's your it's your top event. You do hear that, don't you? And I
1: think um, I think different I, I systems have different opinions of it.
2: Yeah, it's. It's it's pretty hard. I reckon it's pretty tough for the community team for that one because often it's it. Sometimes it's the community and what you build there. The the day is only as good as the players, and it speaks again to the S P G community that they've. That there was a buzz in there. It was mm-hmm. lovely. It was a really really nice place to be. Yeah. Even though we weren't playing S P G, we were the idiots sat in the corner. You know, using templates for goodness' sake. <laughs> um, but it was a wonderful place to be everything looked exciting um yeah. and i think the community put just as much in for all game systems yeah i think they do a really good job i just think that there's something there's something quite special about the uh, spg community and it's lovely
1: i w- i would agree i think if you think about what throne of skulls is i mean when it first this is i might get some of this wrong but when it the when gw first brought throne of skulls in as a system I think I was playing Warhammer Fantasy at the time, and I'm pretty sure when it first started, it was pure. the winner was purely based on best game votes, nothing else. Um, and it's evolved a little bit, then it changed to other soft scores, and now it's in its current format, which is that kind of even mix, or even balance between, um, for, for your Swiss tournament winning, your best game votes, and then your best army votes. And it's in this nice, even thing now. Now, for SPG, that's probably the softest event of the year when if you compare them to only to gbhl events so to speak there will be independence events out there i'm sure that are similar but in many ways this is the party event this is the most laid back it's the one that people dress up and well, this is the one more people bring display boards to <laughs> but then if you go to our other game system that we're all involved in you go to heresy where heresy is quite often fully narrative so the very fact that there are points for winning games is quite alien to a lot of the way people like to play heresy so then not every heresy player likes throne of skull system whereas for the system of spg it actually fits in really 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 nicely um, and i th- personally think that the throne of skull system probably matches my personal preference of ways of playing games um maybe even heresy i think for an organized thing that would be a nice way of doing it. i don't mind i'm never competitive i don't mind losing most of my games but i don't mind people I don't mind there being some kind of level of, of points given for, for winning games either. I think it's a very, very nice overall doing. It's a nice, even kind of... You've got to be a nice person. Um, you should have your army painted um, and you play some games, but you, you know, even if you're winning, you've got to do it in the right way. Otherwise, you won't get your points for the other things. So it's total hobby, isn't it?
2: Um, it's a hashtag total hobby. Yeah,
1: I, I just... But, 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 you know, just to sum it up, I just think the Throne of Skull system seems to fit SBG... Better than any game system I've played. It just fits the niche nicely. It seems to be it, um, it seems to be really it good.
2: Might though, um, almost be though that SPG fits the throne of skulls. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it is such a balanced game, mm-hmm. both rules wise and then the factions internally against each other. Yeah, it, it does. Re- it, it's other game systems, you know, are available. Um, they uh, aren't necessarily as well balanced, so don't lend themselves as well to a a more competitive way of playing
1: yeah i think yeah that makes sense as well i mean the gt's coming up in march i won't be going not just because i'm running an event 2 weeks later and i can't get that many weekend passes um but i get the impression people still do display boards for that there'll still be people dressed up i imagine um i think the scoring is is gt scoring so they won't be um, I don't think, don't know if there's points at all for for soft scores if we call it that, but um, but I think it's still a fairly supposedly a fairly nice um, atmosphere there. But I just thought the atmosphere was great. So when I when I first arrived, um, registr- I registered fairly early, and I was sitting in Bugmans. Um, I was on my own, so I didn't go with didn't arrange to meet or go up with anyone. So I didn't I knew I'd see you there later in the day, but I didn't know I was going to definitely meet anyone there. Um, one of our listeners who also listens to the Geno podcast. Then he messaged me um, a couple of days beforehand, said I'll be there and I'll come up and say hello. So I thought he might do, but I was sitting there, uh, sitting there on my own, looking at my phone. And this 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 lad came up to me. Uh, I think he was ten. I found out later his name was Elliot, and he'd seen my board on 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 the Facebook group, and he was just talking to me about it. And was really polite and lovely, and just said, I "Saw your board, I love it. I just wanted to come up and ask about it." And he just started talking and talking. He was such a lovely young man, and his uh, dad came over about ten minutes later. Um, Daniel um, and said really sorry. He, he, once he gets going, he can talk too much. And I was like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it at all. And um, and I spoke to them quite a few times over over the weekend. And and Elliot kept coming up and sort of finding out how I was going. And he was very knowledgeable at the game. Probably far knew far more than I do. Um, and it kind of summed up the kind of very friendly family atmosphere. So yeah, people were there having a beer while they were playing. But it was also a very safe and friendly enough environment that you could take your your 10-year-old son along to roll your dice and sort of play with you and let him wander around the gaming hall and not worry about anyone you know shouting or getting angry or potentially table flipping or something so it was it was really nice sort of way to start the uh start the weekend really so the first person that came and spoke to me was, was this little lad and i think um some people might have seen the post on on facebook but uh um, Daniel, who's who's his father, made a put a post on the GBHL um, a few days after saying he's actually quite unwell at the moment. So, um, so if, you, if he's listening, hopefully his uh, treatment goes well and everything's okay. But um, yeah, it just kind of set things off nicely. Um, I spoke to so the guy I spoke to about earlier, Ben, came over and introduced himself, and I spent quite a lot of time with him and his friend Jack over the weekend. Um, teamed up with them for the quiz on the Saturday night. Um, I chat to Matt Davies as well from Generation Shift, and yes, that board was absolutely stunning as dan said but yeah it's overall just a very very friendly event um how did i get on then so i um i won two games Um, and which was was better than I I thought it was going to be (laughs) Um, um, I'll just give a very quick rundown of my games, I'm not the kind of person to go on a very very long turn by turn kind of um, explanation, I don't remember for a start and personally I don't like listening to it on podcasts, I know some people do but I won't bore people too much but let's look at my notes and so the first game I played a guy called Alfie, Um, again another quite, quite young man, I think, I don't know how old he was exactly but I know he's doing GCSEs this year so it's going to be 15 16 or something he was there with his younger brother and his dad and another brother as well um really, really nice guy he was so nice and he smashed me 12 nil um <laughs> in contest of champions he had uh a Duran's folk i think so or kazadum so um so in contest of champions sam you um you basically have to deploy in this little bubble in the middle with your leader so it was kind of big dwarf killy leader versus big dwarf killy leader and um i positioned it in a way that i thought if i win first if i win priority i'm going to charge in and try and take out Durin. um because i felt that was my best chance of winning because it was going to be grindy otherwise and he had about the same amount of models as i did and all of his models just kind of felt like one defense better or hitting me one strength higher as well so it's going to be tough and i didn't win priority and he played very very well so our dane died at the beginning of turn two Um, and the way you score is basically your leader kills, so how many kills your leader gets so if you lose your leader you can't score lots of points (laughs) so it's going to go downhill from then on, the rest of the game was really tough and really grindy and on the table itself in terms of control of the board it was very very even Um, but yeah, once you lose your leader it's difficult and, and Alfie played it really really well uh, so I lost that one. And then I can go straight down to the bottom to hopefully submarine to that to the top. Um <laughs> the second game was um, Matt, it was a Morialist. Um and we played seize the prize. So it was the game we played, Sam, in your in your what, your second game or first ever game of SBG. Um no, so game you game. know about the this the the, the the key is having something fast moving. So bearing in mind I'm on dwarves. Yeah, well I've got dwarves. Um I do have my goats and they can go eight. Um, but he had um, he had a Balrog and he had some bat swarms, and bat swarms move 12 and they have the in- inventory keyword, so you can deploy 12 inches on. Um, so he got first turn, moved 12 inches, dug it up straight away, well, rolled, rolled his four up straight away, dug it up, had the prize first turn. Um, and it was going to be an uphill battle trying to catch a bat swarm after that. And the game was fairly tight, but I was always really really chasing that and uh, he had plenty of opportunities probably to get the bats form out my way and off the ball quicker than he did um there was a chance in the last turn that if i'd won priority i could have charged it which would have he would have well he'd have been in combat if i'd killed it then it would have been closer to a draw but um but he got me you know, he won priority and got the ball off that was a 10-1 loss as well so after my first two games um two quite heavy losses um but but good games good games I was definitely enjoying myself and then um, third game of day one was against um, Adam who's playing Rohan this is my favourite scenario it's called Fog of War um, I don't know if you've read that one, Sam or not. So I direct these at you, but it's because I'm I know you're. I completely understand, but it, and it's a good way of explaining to maybe to other, if there are other newer people listening to the cast, and we know we've got a few. But um, so fog of war, basically, you have to kind of you have to pick a hero you want to protect, and it can't be a leader. You have to pick the hero you're going to kill, and it can't be the leader. And you have to pick a, a bit of terrain, a terrain piece in your opponent's half of the board that you want to to get a model completely within. Um, so you've got these three things, and it's hidden. So you write those down in private so mm-hmm. i love it i just love the fact that you don't know what objectives your opponent's going for you can try and second guess it um and there's multiple ways of scoring as well so you feel like you're in the game all the way through so in the previous two games mm-hmm. right at turn one or turn two i knew that i'd lost the game or the scenario sometimes there can be a mismatch and you knew you've lost the game or it's going to be an uphill struggle i felt like mm-hmm. you know you don't know you not know where the game's going to go with it. So I had a really, 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 really close game. Um, he spread all his 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 rowahan out. He didn't sort of charge him in lines because he was worried about my ballista. But by doing that, it meant that I was kind of able to kind of keep charging him and keep tagging horses, so he wasn't getting his charge bonus. So he wasn't getting like a charge on on mass. So I managed to win that one. What can we things are all out there? My notes are all posted in the wrong order. Um, that was a good
2: looking game. I will say that one when I wandered over. That was a good look.
1: It, yeah, look, it, it just the the whole board was full. H six win. H six win. That one was. Um well and, done. So that was. So I'd won a game, and as soon as I win a game, I can relax even more. Then, because I think I'm not going to go home from the weekend with zero wins. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then what happened? So then I sort of hung around a bit. Um, the the quiz was that evening. Um, so I stayed around for the pod quiz as I mentioned with, with um, Ben and Jack we scored 40 points we were a bit better than we thought we would be um, it was really good oh, fun nice. we saw the seminar which was great I mean obviously everything was up on Warhammer community within sort of half an hour so I was me furiously taking notes and then um, I thought right I'll, uh, I'll get back to the hotel and I'll uh, post up in the group and then obviously get shared um, we've got a few more snippets of information but again the the book's out now so there'll be nothing that we can kind of give you here that you wouldn't already know um but it's really nice to kind of feel that as part of the event that you've paid for you, you know you've got your meals you've got your lun- you got your lunches paid for and then in the evening you've got a pub quiz run by the run by jay um you've got a a, a um seminar run by the the writers as well so, you, so you've got a lot for your money there you almost got that you not on site in terms of a hotel but you've almost got that mini convention thing over the weekend so that sounds like a mini weekender yeah well it, it is in some senses. it i think heresy have done a did a quiz at some point after the events or maybe they do quizzes i'm not sure anyone i don't not sure any other events do a seminar i may be wrong maybe may be completely wrong but it definitely feels like you're getting a lot for your, your 65 pounds the food was really good i mean i had i had a gammon roast on the on the sunday in the staff canteen so i they've know people complained about the food before i thought it was spot on so for having two cooked good cooked meals that you'd pay you know if you went to a toby carvery you'd spend a tenner on um mm. then you take 20 quid off your ticket price that's only 45 for two days game and then you get a seminar and a quiz and it, 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 i think it's really good value um and second day um who do i have so i had rowan with rohan I'll make sure I say that slowly, so I don't get it wrong. Way around, bro, bro. Okay. such a lovely guy, really, 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 really lovely guy. Um, and I thought, right, okay, see how we go. And it was reconnoitre. So reconnoitre is when you have to get your models off the your opponent's half of the board. And we're playing on six by fours as well, because it's a thousand points. So, <laughs> um, so you got a guy with horses that has to ride his horses off my side of the board, and I've got my dwarves. So as you can imagine, that was uh, we, we were joking about it right from the beginning. Like I've just got no chance. What can I do? Um, so I decided to go for as many points as I could. And you get points for killing leader, and you get points for breaking as well. I think it's breaking. So I thought I'm just going to fight him. I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to get anything off the board. It's almost impossible. Um, I've got such a long way to go, um, and I'd have to separate off a small amount of my force to get them off the board and if i separate them off he's going to run them down with horses Where if i send off a large chunk he's just going to run his whole army off because he'll do it quicker than me and as soon as you've run the required amount off the game ends once it takes you down to your break point essentially so you're kind of stuck you both ways so i knew i wasn't going to get anything off the board so he pretty much only needed to get three off to get the maximum points because it'd be three times as much as i've got so well what can i do i'll go after points um, and spread out and tried to fight him as best I could and I, I managed to get my max, the maximum points I felt I could get from the games which is the, the 5 so I lost 7-5 so I killed his leader and I um, broke him um, so I completely smashed him on the table so to speak um, and he got his 7 points all for getting more people off the table than me so I felt like i did as best as I could but it was a really good game um really enjoyed it and uh, just happy that I got the felt it was not feeling like a victory as such because you know, got played to the scenario but I did as much as I could with it really it's just a bit of a mismatch um really yeah yeah really and it was, a, he was such a lovely guy was, we had a really good game and we both he's quite new as well and we would kind of we were talking bits through oh, I really want to get I want to do this from one of. if I move this here and we'll get the maximum in do you mind if I measure this bit and we just did it so we were both learning from it as well which is a really nice experience we, we weren't nervous kind of catching each other out on, on measurements especially when it comes to positioning of models we talked about this in the last show a little bit with Jeremy about blocking your own charge lanes and stuff we talked through what we were trying to achieve and we're helping each other out so if you move in there you'll get this one in as well and it just is a really good learning experience as well I think because we knew what the result was likely to be in terms of a win or loss at the beginning it kind of just took all the pressure off the scenario and we were just sort of going to laugh with it um, and then final game um, I came up against Nick with his Ents um, on capture and control and this is the one that has um, five scenarios so one in the centre um, two along two twelve inches away along the centre line and then two twelve inches away sort of directly directly the other way um, so it's, it's, it's a difficult one because Ents are really really hard to kill they, they hit really hard and they've got like a strength ten stone throw thing so they can do a lot of damage Luckily, I'm quite high defence, so he are still having to roll to kill things. It's not auto killing. Um, and the thing is, with, with Ents before the new book, um, they've only got um, Treebeard as a as a as a hero, so you've got one warband. So when he deployed, um, he just deployed on his rearmost um, objective in his half. I think he could have deployed deployed in the first, from the first, the centre one from his roll, but he didn't. He deployed right at the back, and I covered the other four objectives. In deployment so i had something on tagging them all all the way through um and then i just shoved the rest of my army forward to kind of block him up around the, that rear objective so i knew that mm-hmm. he would have to get out of there and kill enough and move his ents to score the other objectives so i knew there was a good chance i was going to win on the objectives and um and i broke him um i think we both broke in the end but i broke him before he broke me i think i could, killed four of his seven ents. Um, but it was a really, really good game. Bless him, he was, Nick was feeling a bit crook at the end of the day. He got, he got proper con crud, so to speak, um, yeah. snivelling away. And we both kept forgetting things. We had a good laugh with it. It was really good, funny. And his army looked really, really nice as well. i never, you know, it's not, you don't come up against Fangorn. You don't, you don't, not something I've I played against before. So it was nice to play them. But I got a win. I got an 8 1 win there. So finished the day with, um, um, finished the, the event with two wins and, and, and three losses. And I would have, snapped anyone's hand off before the event for that kind of win ratio Um, and then uh, I ended up finishing 17th out of the 88 places because I got 4 out of 5 best game votes and 4 out of 5 best army votes, so really showing how far you can jump up the table with soft scores (laughs) Uh, maybe that's why I like this format so much, who knows Um, and I got a nomination for my army as well, so um, so yeah, nice to walk away a little certificate for nomination and, and overall as i said best one of the probably the best gaming weekends i've i've had i really really enjoyed it and i'm so excited for next year i might make doubles depending on when the date is but i'm already i've already got the pass from the wife even though we don't know the exact date yet so hopefully our work doesn't mess with that um and i'm already planning my board and army for i already know what i'm going to do i think i could change my mind but i'm pretty sure i know what i'm going to do for Ditto. next year as well so Any really hints? yeah it's no secret um so the defenders of of, of rohan um legendary legion is in a book we're going to discuss in a bit is it um, yeah um I, I love it means i can use a lot of the, the sculpts i want and have a lot of heroes in so i can get in the three hunter sculpts the brand new ones i can use the new fade sculpt which i love i can use um the two new rohan um, characters that have, heroes that have just come out as well so I can go quite he- hero heavy I think eight heroes in including Gambling and Hal there um is around the 700 points mark so then i've got like 300 points to spend on warriors i think i can get about 30 warriors in with a mixture of um and warriors and um royal guard i don't know my exact mix of those yet so it will be fairly low numbers for a thousand points it's probably going to be around the sort of 35 to 40 mark in total but eight heroes so i should have a good amount of um could lots have some good fun mine? and lots of lots of might yeah. hopefully so nice and nice and fun and um i'm going to build a, a section of helms helms deep wall so you guys both know i've got um helms deep toys i've got a couple of big i can't remember the name of the manufacturer but big helms big toys is slightly bigger scale than the model that, that gw put out but it's probably a more correct scale um, i'm not going to use those because it's thrown as skulls and i'm going to have to scratch build something but i'm going to be building those into a big helms deep for gaming but in order to finish that model off i've got to cut lots of blue foam bricks so i'm going to use it as a template um to kind of copy um, but i'm going to rebuild it out some of it out of, of blue foam and do a small section of the wall where they all fit in proper places on the base as well so they're not loose on them like my last army board so i've got a that's my idea as far as it's gone so far but that, that's my plan um what i'll do is um do you before we run through all the winners i want to give a shout out to all them, the people that won over the weekend and things um just in case they're listening it's often nice to have your name read out somewhere but you two got any questions about the event before i know you've asked things during the me babbling on but have you any questions before i go for a long list of names and things
2: silence well, I, I was no i was there <laughs> so um obviously i got to, to see a fair chunk of it and uh obviously some of it will be answered by uh, you commenting on who won what so, mm-hmm. yeah just the only note I have to say on the entire thing it was it just seemed amazing and I'm really excited to attend next year
1: Yeah, it's going to be good fun hopefully what about yourself Sam do you think you'll be able to get there uh,
3: it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows living on the south coast uh, it's a long way uh, it? In the works.
1: sorry yeah, so it is a, it's a long way definitely it means you're going to yeah, it means you almost I'm... need Monday off I imagine
3: yeah it certainly and i I figured I figured out this year uh I did two two day events and it killed me I'm, my body's just not what it used to be, you know
1: <laughs> this might be this might be the only two day I do to be honest with you we'll see what we'll again we'll see what when the doubles um date comes out i'll see how it looks and i might try and go providing and find a partner as well for it um i won't be doing articon it's three days is too long for me at the moment with the young family it's it's more than three days as well because you almost need a day either side it's three days of gaming so you almost need five days there that will be something i can't make sadly for a few years um, whether I pop up on one day to have a nose in buy one of those tickets or something at some point in the future because I'd like to mm-hmm. see what's going on. But this, so thrown goals skulls for me is going to be the the big thing each year for a, a couple of years, and the wife's kind of more than happy to sign me off for one weekend of, <laughs> of the year. Um, right then, so I'll just go through some of the winners and things. So, um so there was um, there were some painting competitions. They had the legends painting competitions. Um, so the hero a legend, which is sort of your your single hero, single character was Sam McGinnis with his for his necromancer um, company a legend, which is your unit kind of thing. Um, Paul Merritt one with his Thorins company, and very nice it was as well. And then icon. Oh, have I missed one? I've missed one, haven't I? You know, icon a legend. That's your. It could be a war machine or something bigger. Um, Phil Beal one with his Knight of Umbar on Fellbeast and that was on stream as well. So his Fellbeast is coming out of water and all the water's pouring off and I think he's got a, holding a shark or something like that. So those were the kind of <laughs> they were judged on the Saturday lunchtime. You could put interview anyone could go up and put um individual models and things in. Um and then the best army. Um so there were eleven nominations as I said which I was one of. I think 11 is, from what I've heard, is very high. They don't normally nominate that many. It's normally about six or something. Um, But Lewis Collins is uh, Corsairs and Serpent Horde, so his assassin um, army, that got third place. That's absolutely stunning. I think Lewis um, is a golden, I'm sure he's a golden demon willow,
2: Lewis. The colour palette on that was just... It's amazing yeah, i'm sure. sure
1: he won a golden demon with uh, an arwin uh, a year or two ago um i think he works i know he used to do his own sculpting because i follow him on instagram but i think he works for there's nothing on much on there now cause i think he works for games workshop now um and then second place was damio burns um thorin's company so people on gbhl would have seen that so he basically made bag end and it's incredibly fun Really, really cool. Oh, so coats, camping. coats hanging up on things, food on the table. Absolutely. My son would have loved it. It would have been his favorite by far because it's his favorite scene in the in the film. Is um, we were talking about this before we start recording. But his favorite scene in the film is um, the washing up scene and the and the song. He played that at his um at his birthday party. He actually played at his birthday party. He's five, by the way. Just want to add that before we wonder wonder about him. Um, and then first place was Matt Davies's Army of Gothmog, which we which Dan and I both talked about. Um, and I yeah, Matt got my vote. I don't mind saying sometimes I won't always say who I voted for, but um, I think I'll talk about the top three. Um, I think Matt and Lewis's painting was I couldn't... as judging on painting uh, i do do judge painting competitions and sometimes i think the level of painting was very very similar um it's really hard to see the difference between the two of them both boards are amazing but matt's edged it and i i I chose you know it's, it's, it's very subjective anyway isn't it all of this but i thought matt deserved it and um if i if i was choosing my favorite three in terms of painting it was matt and lewis and then damien's anyway so the top three that with oh, i would have picked i would have just put two of them around the other way and that's again purely based as a painter i was purely looking i can't help but look at well oh, i think that's slightly neater painting there than that one and that's purely what it would it have been theme wise um the the bag end was probably the most fun so and it is best army it's not best painted army so um but amazing absolutely all three of them are incredible and there were some beautiful other armies there as well i think i've already shared them in a the group a couple of days ago um most sporting was tom thorpe and then there was a knight of the inner circle um which is andy barlow and that's someone who gets five out of five on best army sorry and best game votes so that person's put a lot of effort in and given people five good games. Um, and then overall, the third was Neil McLaughlin. First was Aaron Collier. And first was Damien O'Byrne. So, um, again, Damien was dressed as um, Bilbo over the weekend. And he had his <laughs> Thorin's, um, Thorin's company, which was beautifully painted, and had that amazing display board. So I'm not surprised that he won it for the second year in a row. Um Any of you saw a picture uh,
3: uh, of him on the stream? It's funny, it it looked outstanding. It got me so excited when I saw a Bilbo standing there. Have
1: have you did you see you watch the stream, guys, or you see bits of it? Or I was there, (laughs) I know, but have you watched the stream back afterwards? I mean, are you you Twitch subscriber people or not?
2: I used to be, but I didn't find I really watched enough of it, so there's only so much hobby if you know what i mean
1: yeah absolutely I, I i go through periods of not watching much at all and then i i spam it when when there's um spg stuff to be honest with you but i use a i use a, my amazon subscription for it anyway so it's not costing me anything yeah. so to speak um but the coverage that adam troke um and um god i'm forgetting his name now and he forgot my name on the stream when he he's nick Baton. nick Baton, yeah the, the 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 quality they Put on for a show over the weekend is amazing. I think they've done this is the second they did last year as well, and they they would basically talk all day. So you can you can tune in all day and listen to them talking between rounds and things. There's not much downtime, um, and the games are brilliant. All the games they had on stream are fantastic. The first game was um, Damien um, O'Byrne against Tom, who's the these are the guys that do the SPG magazine, and Tom had um, Mazog um, Hunters, I believe, so it was that kind of for a really sort of narrative game and it was absolutely fantastic and uh, Thorin's company looked really, 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 really under the, the cosh until Um Orcrist um, did some work, but I won't spoil it because people can get any more than that because people can go and watch it, but it's well worth catching up. If you like watching games on, on TV, and this is commentated as well, it makes, it's a bit different than when you watch a Battle Report and hear them talking about it, and there's player interviews and things as well, so there's five Games to watch, and God, I don't know, ten hours or total worth of probably more, twelve hours worth of content to 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 watch through. So it's worth it. And then on Monday night, they um put they did a sort of a recap show um, for about an hour, and they talked about the event, and they put some pictures up, and they put some pictures on my board up, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, sort of it was a nice way to come back work on Monday, but then sit at four o'clock and and sort of have some have a bit more kind of remembering the event I enjoy so much. So. I've definitely talked far too much there if you haven't realised I really had a great time and loved the event <laughs> um,
0: no,
2: no, Too long didn't read. It's, <laughs> it's
3: worth mentioning like that hearing people talk about events like this is what makes people want to go as well so I don't think you've talked too much about it I think it's mm-hmm. good to hear people talk passionately about other events
1: yeah absolutely I think that's the same with a lot of systems isn't it I, I've listened to podcasts for years wargaming podcasts and even things like the first wargaming podcast I ever listened to was Podhammer and i'd want to go to certain events in australia because the way they talk about them it makes you want to be there and be part of it so yeah absolutely so so if anyone if me blathering on so sort of excitedly about the event has um, inspired anyone to go then then good that's a good thing um so before we go to a break um i thought we'd probably cover something else just briefly so we normally talk about new releases and things so in the window since we've recorded we've had some teasers and then the actual books come out so there's there's nothing to really talk about there but one thing that that was teased and, and isn't out yet is the match play guide so have you guys had a look at what that is or know yes. what that is
2: Very excited about that. Firstly the six new scenarios mm-hmm. so from an perspective that's great it cuts down on people having an expectation of what they may possibly get on a weekend it's new things to do it's new um you know six new things to play with all the different myriad armies across the sort of the ages of uh, middle earth so it's, it's infinite almost new opportunities for fun i love it anything that gives us more opportunity more variation brilliant
1: yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more so one something that i don't know if it's mentioned in the Warhammer community article or not it's some, some notes that i made from the seminar was that that will take us up to 18 scenarios now. So it's six new ones in addition to the 12 that are already there. And they're going to be sorted into pools. Um, pools are three by type. Um, so the example that Jay gave is um, so all the Maelstrom deployment ones. So he said hint, then when means there will be a new one out of those six, with it uses Maelstrom deployment. So all the Maelstrom deployment ones will be in one pool. I think the idea is that, that you can, I don't know if you randomize between the pools or select the pools, but it means if you're at a five or four or five or six game event that you shouldn't have randomly rolled up three maelstrom type of event um, type of scenarios which are really bad for your army so you, whereas you might have so what what happened at the weekend so well, i i had a really tough game for recogniter because it's it just doesn't see my army at all but um hopefully in a five game um event when they've got these into pools I should know that once I've got that that's the only one of that type that I'm likely to have so that gives me um you know gives me a fair chance of of not being not losing more games than I've done, than than I should do based on just being about unlucky with the type of scenarios that are rolled up so I think that's really really good um they said there was a, a campaign system as well I don't know what that will look like but um but I think it's designed that you could actually run a campaign weekend, which is interesting. So that sounds like there's some potentially narrative things in a match play guide, But it's got—I don't know—we'll wait and see. Um, and there are six double scenarios as well, which is really interesting because I'm running a doubles event in at the end of March, and they did say that this will be out. Um, I think I think Rob said early next year. So early next year for me means it's got to be before March. Um, so cool. hopefully I can use these double scenarios for the for the for the event. Say so excited, very excited by that. I mean, the, the only thing this isn't a negative because people should just suck up and buy it. But I wonder whether because the cool rule book has these scenarios in, I wonder whether there will be people that who don't buy every supplement who will think, well, I've got to, that's another thing I've got to buy. And I wonder whether there will be an increase of people going to events where they've got their rule book, but they haven't got got around to buying the match play guide um, so there'll be potentially scenarios cropping up that they haven't got access to so to speak. I'm sure most people who go to GBHL events will will be buying it but there are obviously there's lots of events that aren't GBHL events and things so I just wonder whether we'll see for, for a year or so until everyone's caught up and, and got them um, because I've never been to an SPG event where the people playing the game haven't got their own copy of the scenario but we say for heresy events we we run we'll quite often do our own um it's very common to have a scenario plonked on the table or, or included as part of the pack so i wonder whether you'll see a bit of naughty reproduction of some of these just to make sure people have got the the things that they need in the early days of this um new release but it's just a th- maybe th- thought. maybe with my
2: redux the um the generals pack you know the card jobbies.
1: Yeah, they may well do. It'd be nice to, or, or at least buy, be able to buy them as a, an addition. Maybe you're to be able to buy a little booster pack. Um
2: That may be how I get hold of them to begin with. If I'm honest with you, because be I've nice. still got a few of the the other blue books to pick up at thirty five pound a piece. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I may still pick this up anyway, purely because um I mean the double scenario is definitely for my local group. Yeah. It's a really good opportunity for people who are perhaps less involved but still have an interest to buddy up with someone who's a bit more, yeah, you know, frothy about it. And it, it drives, you know, double seems to be quite in vogue at the moment across many game systems. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that.
1: I don't know when I mean, we don't know how much it will be yet. Um, I think someone asked the question where whether because what they've talked about is like Gondor War and War in Rohan are kind of chunkier releases and scouring was a smaller one and i think they talked in the past that they they kind of go they'll take turns so you'll get a smaller release and then a bigger book release um and someone asked the question would this count as a smaller one and then they'll go back to a bigger one afterwards and i got a bit i can't remember what rob said but i think it was along the lines of yes but no but yeah so it was a little bit confusing there so i'm not sure that after this we're looking for another big book or a, a smaller campaign one after i mean we've had so much it's all not not hard to keep up with but it's i don't it's quite nice three or four months in between some of these books just to sort of take it in and and, and, and do it. I mean, you look at some of the, you look at like Zorpa Zorp, who, great quality battle reports on um, YouTube, started to do the campaign for Gondra at War, and they haven't finished it, and now the new book's out. So it's kind of it shows how lucky we are, how quickly these releases are coming. So, and I've absolutely. The book's great. It's brilliant, isn't it? I've yeah. absolutely no idea what might come after that. I I in a, I've chatted to some some locals. So one of the local ones, well, he's not local at the moment. He's um, overseas working. But um, Ben, um, we talked about what might be the next book when people were still, you know, thinking it might be some kind of uh, end of the second age kind of book thing. And, whatnot, and we both said it's going to be a Rohan War Two Towers based book because. That makes sense that's where the money is that makes sense with the themes you go after your big themes first and then fill it out so we predicted that and we guessed it and it was right um but i have not got a scooby where that what direction they'd go in just like i had no idea that they we're going to do scarring as well so they're very very good at um catching the out Narno.
2: Arnold would be a good.
1: Could point. be. There's so many things that could be because people that like, like different armies will go, yeah, well, I play Arnold. Arnold. Then you'll get your your people that play your your Adrim and things like that. We want in some kind of book that that gives them extra bits and it's just every you know there will be your 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 older dwarf players who want to want some kind of. Um, want some legendary legions for you because for um, of dumb stuff so everyone that hasn't got a legendary legion or an extra new hero or something is going to want them to do a book in their favorite area so to speak so who knows where it'll be but um but yeah anyway that's that was the the other news from the weekend which i think the only thing i've been able to add any information that might not have been in the warhammer community article but um exciting times ahead and uh, christmas vouchers will be spent on on that i imagine oh oh, i've got a stronghold kit i managed to so our our wonderful local uh friendly local game store and sponsor in Gaming. um i went in to collect my um my uh, war in rohan book and he said to me did you want the stronghold kit and i said i was going to get it but it sold out and he said i bought a couple extra because i thought people might want them i've got one left do you want it I so, thought, yeah, so that will be a table at Flotsam and Jetsam next year, and with the discount with um with my through from the local game store, um, it's a very very healthy price for versus what the RRP would be directly from from GW. I think we I think it worked out about hundred pounds less than buying the kits. Um, separately so very very happy um and very excited i've paid for it i don't know i don't want to go and pick it up but i don't know when i can get over before christmas but then i'm gonna have so much time sitting with mother-in-laws and mothers and things around the christmas tree that i could sit and build build terrain that we will see you could build
2: a palisade and hide behind it
1: <laughs> that might be nice it might be nice but um the, yeah i can't wait to get my hands on that and build, start building those they look so cool um so either of you got anything else before we go to a break
2: no, I'm good. I think they're sick of us by now.
1: <laughs> they probably are. That's probably our longest uh, opening section um, since we started the podcast. But, okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with our review of War in Rohan.
0: Lord Marshal, great, sir. Legion reinforcements now visible on the left flank. Ah, about time. The wolves, I see. Uh no, sir. Ultramarines, sir. But they're wearing grey, Proclamator Fennec. Vox message said new recruits sir, no time to paint armour. At least the Raven Guards are in black armour. Sorry sir, that's more Ultramarines. For Emperor's sake, Vox them and find out why. Also new armour sir, their eyelids are red and the bolt guns are silver, three colours minimum sir. What the? Get on the Vox now and tell them to contact Miniature Realm Studio. Miniature Realm Studio sir? Yes Fennec, Miniature Realm Studio offers a commission painting service, Competitive rates and a range of painting standards to suit most budgets and requirements. Yes, sir. I suppose they do say that fully painted is for closers. What does that even mean, Fennec? Uh, I don't know, sir.
1: Miniature Realm Studio can be found on Facebook, on Twitter at Miniature Realms, on Instagram at Miniature Realm Studio, or just drop Stuart an email at miniaturelstudio at com. We're back for the Council of Elrond, um, and this episode we're going to be talking all about War in Rohan, because well, we've got the shiny book in our hands. So um, I'm going to hand you over to Sam, who's going to uh, guide us um, gently through um, the book and, um, and ask us lots of questions and just have a real good chat about it. So, Sam, we are in your very safe hands.
3: Ah, safe hands, that's what I want to be known as. Uh, Okay, so uh, if you've been living under a rock recently, you may not have noticed that the new uh, Lord of the Rings uh, MESBG campaign campaign book, or just book? Campaign book. Uh, Yeah, Uh, has come out, uh, the new War in Rohan supplement. Um, So before we go into it, as uh, deep as a watcher in a water. Um, <laughs>
0: don't waste them. Don't waste them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, that was
3: off the cuff. Uh, I'm going to ask. Uh, so Dan and Stu, we've we've all had a chance to flick through it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. First impressions. Go, Dan.
2: Oh, it's, we've been spoiled. I, I really. It's, it's quite interesting for me because obviously I don't play any of the factions in there but I've been able to really enjoy it and look at how much it adds to it. I've done lendings, you know, we've all seen the models that have you know, been shared around and obviously some people hold of them at uh, Throne early. I had a bit of a wobble. I'm a bit of a fan of the old Viking look and it is very cool, but no, I'm, I need to carry on with what I'm doing. Um, but even as someone who's not necessarily got a stake, it's a phenomenal book. Really, really, really good. Um some really interesting changes to how some bits and pieces might work. I think it'll. I think it'll shake things up in in the, the local tournament or event scene, or even just in your local groups. I think we'll see more of the slightly off the wall. I'm, I'm a little bit gutted. There's no woeses. Not not through no know, new new woeses army. That'd be pretty cool. But mm. um, you know, there's some really interesting stuff. I mean, you're going to see those done lendings come- and before that was just you know. It, Jeremy has talked about on the Green Dragon. It's an exercise in futility. You play it for <laughs> yes. it's it's you know you play it because it's fun. You don't play it because you are expected to win a game. Yeah. Um, but now with some of those rules, there's there's a distinct possibility. You're already you're seeing some of it appear on the uh, GBHL group and some of the others. People are starting to work out. Oh, look at the things you can do with this list. Yeah, I think it's really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. Agree. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with everything you've said there. Really, I think if you were going to, if it going to have one sort of subheading that sort of sums up the release, it would be Dunland, um, just because of the sheer amount of profiles and the impact that's had on on a, on a faction that people seem to love, but was very much a, kind of a, an extra um, and things people wanted more of. Being new to the to the game, I probably don't appreciate it quite the same way as that people who have been playing the game since release and how much they would have wished and, and, and wish listed and talked about this kind of thing happening. So I definitely think the Dun's a, a a sort of a will have a big impact, um, meta wise, if you like to use that word or not. Um overall the book is, is right up there with the standard of, of, of Gondola War, so it produces much the same kind of thing in terms of its overview. So there's what what it contains in the book, um and in its format. So and I think it just just adds to the, the excitement. There's there's not too much information there. It's not like this a uh, a book where there's like ten factions in with a whole new army book, kind of a whole new release kind of thing. These are kind of a, a trickle. So it, it kind of just keeps that the community bubbling along and as things sort of settle down from Gondor at War and from Scarring this comes along and just adds a few more profiles in and and and, and refreshes things again and uh, it, it seems to keep the SPG community buoyant with these sort of releases like that so yeah I love the book really, really impressed with it and it's very exciting to be kind of i feel like i'm as we do, we're doing a podcast now we've you know I've been playing for a little while now done a few events so I feel like I'm fully in the community for this release where I was very much beginner for all of the other ones so it feels like I'm a sort of Seeing it and feeling it at the same time as people, and more of a level kind of um, viewpoint on it, and it's definitely changed my opinion of it. The most excited I've been about any of the releases, partly because I'm doing a Rohan for, um, for, for from January. Um, maybe that's got something to do with it.
3: But yeah, cool. But great. Cool. So off off the, off the front of it, we're all quite happy about how the book looks. Um, okay, so I'm just going to quickly cover what's coming up in the book. And then we're gonna go through it and talk about all the little sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first up is the history of Rohan, then the scenarios, then the armies, legendary legions, sieges, Rohan building showcase, and appendices. So we might not necessarily cover all of those in great depth, but we're gonna talk about some of our favorite parts for sure.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Do you
3: Sorry?
1: Oh, I just said huh. Oh, I was agreeing with you. Yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Sounded a little bit Alan Partridge there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, so we all agreed before we started recording that we were going to do our top three, would you like to do the top three at the top or at the bottom of Ooh. the uh, go through of the book I think we should save it to the end
1: um, okay. and then I, I, I would say save it to the end, go through the book talk about sort of what each section is a little bit, some of our favourite bits from each section and then at the end we can go back and pick what our, our favourite bits are so to speak rather than skipping ahead mm-hmm. and backwards and forwards but I'm open to doing it either way Uh, do it at the end
3: cool End it is uh so the the first section is the history of rohan uh similar to the other books uh i don't own the gondola war book so Stu and dan you might have to back me up on this one but uh it does have the history section in there very much like the scouring of the shire book where it goes over all the history of the shire uh in there um it's pretty standard stuff uh as a quick glance at it um it looks really good. Stu, did you manage to have a chance to have a good read through it? Or?
1: Yeah, I read it all. It's 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 nice. It's... um, How do we describe it? So, obviously, Tolkien isn't always super accessible to reading, especially when you're getting into some of the wider histories and things that may be in uh, Silmarillion or the appendices and things. So they're not the easiest to read as a kind of a, a narrative, lore, fluffy background sort of thing. And this is, you know, I don't know how many words there are, but it's only really three pages and then a tale of years which is a timeline thing so it kind of makes it all fairly nice and and neat and succinct and fairly easy to understand if um if it were a news report of tolkien it would be on channel five um that's a a very english very british joke to people but um and that's not knocking the writing because i think that's exactly what it needs to be it's it's there's never much law in these books because the law exists within Tolkien and the films, but it kind of makes it very, very easy to understand um, so anyone could come along. And even if you didn't know Tolkien history, you could come along and go, great, I understand that now. I know I know what this these factions and this bit of narrative is about. And I mean it's, that tongue-in-cheek it's, it's, as well. I don't mean to upset anyone in terms of... I'm not trying to say Jay's writing is of the level of, of Channel 5 news reporting. Um, it's just a way of jokingly making out that it's um, just... Really, assess- really accessible.
2: It does make a lot of play on Helm yeah. rather than a hill, Um which is obviously given Helm's Deep Hulk forms so much of this, and you get a legendary, you know, in the appendices. He's, he's got rules, etc., and what looks to be a very nice model to come. Yeah, it it does focus a lot on him, mm-hmm. whereas he's not as huge as part of the the background in Tolkien's lore. Yeah. At least not highlighted to this extent, which I really enjoy actually, because it gives you that little bit of a bite sized focus. Mm -hmm. Because, like you say, it's quite you know, it's it's a very succinct, um, it's almost like the uh, you know, the history of Rohan for dummies,
1: yeah. And it's, It's, yeah, it's the cliff notes. I I was (laughs) exactly, it's not dumbed down, so it's not dumb writing. I'm really, really, really really clear about that, and I don't want anyone listening to be offended by that. Um, i don't think i don't know if jay listens i think rob listens so rob that's not what i meant by it but it's that kind of it's obviously focused on what's coming in the books that's why helms mentioned a lot and it's it fits in with the kind of writing you will see in any games workshop book whereas as i say it's quite heavy going trying to read talking at times when you just need to a basic idea of an overview of a storyline what happened when and a timeline and this takes that and makes it rule book bang him a mic there takes it rule makes it rule book accessible so it's actually a good thing I mean that in a positive way and I think that's what you were saying as well there Dan it sort of yeah does it trims it it the fat yeah
2: it's, it's exactly you get exactly what you need and to a degree nothing more normally that would be catered for in other games workshop publications by the Black library books and everything but we've got that we've had that for yeah. years
0: and they're we've not allowed Tolkien.
1: to make too much up I don't know how much restriction they have on that or whether that has to go away and be approved by Tolkien Society I, I, I really don't know and maybe I'll um, if I see Rob at an event or something in the future, I will um, try and corner him and, and, and ask him if he's allowed to tell us. Because I'll be really interested to know how that that side works. Because it's difficult for them, isn't it? When you what law do you put in when the law you've not got any control over and things? So definitely interesting. But but a really nice. You could come along without reading, without having read Tolkien, and only watch the film, films. And this gives you the information you need to understand what the characters are beyond the ones that are in the film. So it's perfect. Exactly. Excellent.
3: Okay. Uh, So the next part in the book is, I think my favourite part of it, and uh, I think personally, from the skim of the um, scenarios from the Gondor at War book, I think that the scenarios in this book are better. That might be controversial. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you guys think. No, I agree. Um, I don't know. I've not really thought
1: about it. I honestly don't know as a comparison. Um, I've not, this is the one part of the book I haven't read word for word and that's not because narrative gaming is my, me. <laughs> it's not my least, it's, it's, it's not because narrative gaming is least important to me, it's because it's least relevant to me at the moment when I don't have all the models to play those and when I've got them then I will probably spend more time in those parts of the books if that makes sense. So I skipped to, I skim read them, so I got an idea of each scenario, but I didn't read it all word for word. And this is your placement, etc., etc. So I skim read those bits, and then read all the rules bits, which is quite, which is quite odd actually. It's probably the opposite way around to I normally would do things. it would probably be the rules and the profiles that I end up not reading in books, but I've been a bit different with SVG with it. But um, they look brilliant as a, as a whole. I think they work really, really well together. I love the the, the linked campaign that you can do with them which is the same as in Gondor War as well so you can play them as a one link campaign and how the result goes in one game will have an effect on the next thing Um, I think the choices of scenario are great Um, they do all all the major things that you'd expect to see are there so yeah you've got a few sections of of Helm's Deep split up so you've got like the walls of Helm's Deep and raising the ladders and plant the charges with the the bomb explosion and stuff and then you can also just play a a really big game um big Siege game of Helm's Deep as well. Um, I think you were saying earlier, Dan, about the scale changes on those a little bit as well. So. Yeah,
2: but the, the one thing I do, it's kind of 10 years late, too late for me, but when I was working in the shop, um, obviously when people played, they'd always want to play the big games, and Helm's Deep always came up, and because it was a store, we had the kit.
0: Yeah.
2: But it was so difficult to try and get a game played. And looking through the scenario-driven stuff for this how much easier would my life have been <laughs> corralling 12-year-olds to do this. It's wonderful because it plays so well. And I think you could introduce most people to this with at least a, a rudimentary working knowledge of the rules and play really fun, thematic games and fight out that entire, very, you know, poignant siege. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Really, really impressed with them.
1: Well, I, I will... Well, hopefully we'll all get together when I've built the terrain next year and we'll have a real big game. That's the, That'll be the plan if we can all make it happen. But... And I'll be definitely be using the book to run the scenario. Whether we stick to it exactly, I haven't looked at the 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 number of um, participants in terms of models and whether we'll have them exactly. But you know, as long as we get close enough to it, I think that'll be enough. But we'll definitely use the rest of it because why design something yourself when you've got a scenario that's well written in the book to do it? Um, exactly. I think there's everything covered. I mean, I think that something I want to comment on right out. So there's not, we'll skip it, there's a bit of a spoiler here, there's not a legendary legion for the part of the film when they um, draw swords together and, and which they steal that bit from another part of the book, don't they? But when they um, ride out at the end, just before Aemur arises, when they think all is lost and you've got um, Aragorn and Feoden riding out, out of the doors, um, there's no legendary legion for that, but then there's a scenario for it as well, so it's still covered, even though it's not covered with a legendary legion for, for match play, so to speak, it's still covered in a scenario, so you, it's still covered in the book in a certain sense um but yeah i think they um i think there's a couple of the scenarios that are play with like playing cards and things as well which is like that in gondor at war so um i think one of them is to do you're using cards with gandalf and saruman i think it's supposed to
2: Fight for fear and soul, almost. Yeah, isn't that it? it's kind really
1: of thing. Really interesting. So they're mixing up the the game type as well. So you could just sit and maybe play that around a coffee table or something, which is quite cool as well. So I like the fact that it's not all just sort of standard miniatures on a on a on a tabletop. When I mean, you've got twenty one scenarios, you've got room to play around and do do things like that.
3: Um, I really like that um, you get some really small ones, like the uh, Grishnak's end one, where you've got Treebeard. Yes and the Hobbits yes and then you have got some massive ones out there as well like it's a big mix between the really small ones that are easy for you and a friend to play versus the ones that you've always wanted to play like Helm's Deep that you can sort of do over a course of a day or two
1: yeah absolutely I love them that's on a two by two board that one isn't it I like the fact that you can kind of um, just, just again as I mentioned a coffee table or just sort of just stick it on the floor at home and just with a little board and just have some fun and play that in the way that it's supposed to be for fun and like i said it's the reason i haven't read them all in detail is just because i know i haven't got a vast collection of models yet yeah i've got four armies on the go but um until i've until i've got through probably 2020 and i've added rohan and and a few other factions I can feel like I can start looking back at this, the the scenarios then, and actually start doing what I really want to do which is just recreate what's the books and films, and that will be. I imagine I'll be a bit more narrative focused then. It's just at the moment I'm like, I want to do that, oh, but I don't have this model, or I don't have that model. And uh, I think people that have been around in the hobby for a long time, maybe since the beginning, a lot of people have got very big collections for a lot of different armies, so they can actually dip in and play those. So it's not that they don't interest me. It's just that <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I just. I'd be like, oh, I want to do this one, so I'm painting this and painting that, and I just need to get some armies done at the moment. But very, you very don't cool. Have to explain yourself. It's okay. <laughs> um, Nobody,
0: nobody's well, judging you. Rawly, you, you, effect, you, you were
3: judging me, Sam. You were shocked. You said shocked. <laughs> I was, I was just genuinely shocked. For me, that's the first thing I did was I, I, I looked at the scenarios and the first, and I look at the title of the scenario and then look at the what components you need for that scenario. Uh, yeah. So I look and go, oh, I can play this one, or I need to buy this, this, and this to play
1: this scenario. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, I didn't really go down to the components because I knew that a lot of them I wouldn't have them as yet. But I, because I'm building sense. Rohan, and I know that you've got loads of Uruk's, and I'm going to build a few because I can't resist that Saruman model. is amazing. So I knew I was going mm. to add a little bit to it. So I knew that once I've got a few things, I'll be able to maybe do a few of the scenarios in there. But we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes.
3: Nice. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to armies then. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, first up is Rohan, which, apart from the two new models that we'd seen the rules for already, for uh, Halif, Son of Hammer, and um, Aldor, Rohan Archer, uh, there's no new models or rules, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah, No, and they don't seem to have changed either. They mentioned, obviously, they're not complete, but they don't appear to have changed.
1: I think that's a standard kind of disclaimer that they put on anything that's advanced of a, of a print copy, I imagine. Yeah. But, but based but, on well, how close... Sometimes they're... they do... Yeah, they, they, I think sometimes they do, but I imagine, and I, again, I could be wrong, I'm just assuming the books would have been printed and probably sitting in the warehouse at that point, or on a boat just about to arrive. Um, so I imagine that they were, that was just the profile as, as is. Um, and when we some of our experiences we've got of something coming out in Heresy as a uh, as a kind of, here's your PDF of it, and then the book might not be out for over a year or something. So then mm. things might change, but um, I think I imagine the book, the book had definitely gone to print and the time it came out, I imagine it was probably in stock, so I, I'm not surprised it's not really changed but yeah, so we won't, I suppose there's no point in talking about those profiles in any detail because we we talked about it on the, lo- the last podcast um, I, I may have treated myself to those models when I was there <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fair enough Okay, um, so moving on to the next one, now forgive me, I don't know about the off off air uh, or whether this was something that uh, was mentioned earlier in the cast but um Dan you mentioned that the Lothlorien section there's no real change there there's nothing
2: yeah nothing well you can see for me I, I don't know I, I'm so used to playing other systems so it's very odd to put stuff in that's not new or doesn't appear to have a reason when generally you would have your for instance armies of Lord of the Rings in there Uh but you know, I, I think it, as, as Stu rightfully pointed out in the conversation that I had, it's um it gives you theories to the players. And I think that's fair mm-hmm. enough. If you're thinking it from a, a narrative campaign book, it's it makes makes sense and to be fair, it's uh it's not like see elves. Elves are good.
3: Yeah. Not everyone would no, agree, see. but <laughs> one of the things that they do have in this book that they didn't that You'd obviously don't get in the normal army book. because you do get the strengths weaknesses and the key models which you get for like for me for the scouring of the shire i got to see which models were uh, quite quite good for me to use as a new player so that was quite nice to see that in there as well
2: that is a very good point it does give you a, a flavor of um and a, and a steer to a degree of if, if you were considering playing this army because it's something drawn to from you know, because you've entered it, because it's the latest book, it gives you a little bit of a rundown, which for a new player again, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think I think that might be what it's aimed at. Um, I think they just want to make sure that there's the introduction to the factions that are mentioned in the, the narrative scenarios as well as the Legendary Legions, so I think it's a so sort of nod to what's in those things and just gives you an overview and it does list the things that are available army comp- composition wise as well and if you're like oh well, these look really good where do I get the rules oh yeah go to look at the Lord of the Rings Armies of Lord of the Rings book and if you didn't have that already uh, maybe you're a new player or maybe you're a Hobbit focused player and you haven't picked up the book and you thought right I'll go and grab it so um, yeah I, I'm happy it's there it makes, it makes sense to me I do get though why people will first flick through "Well, what's that therefore there's not a profile but I think that's why it's there
3: uh, now, my personal favourite in this entire section, Fangorn.
1: Yeah, very excited. Um, I think we guessed that there might be, there was a potential for something in this book to do with uh, Fangorn. We didn't know whether it would be a legend Legion, but there's probably no point because there's not many models, but
3: um, it's good. What's your favourite part about it, Sam? What is that? Oh. <laughs> uh, it's probably not necessarily the actual army list part. It's that scenario, the Grishnak's end section of it uh, but um yeah. i i i like ents i like trees and i like hobbits <laughs> um I, ju- I i was just very excited to see that as a new player knowing that usually you can only play with tree beard and then you have one faction as you mentioned in your section earlier it's actually quite nice to know that you can now have three separate war bands Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that'd be quite a good big points um game then. I don't I should have looked it up. I don't know the points for um standard ends on their own. But there was only one as far as I'm aware, I'm not missing something, there was only one hero before which is Treebeard, and we've got two new profiles here, so we've got Quick Beam and we've got Beachbone. Um I know you're quite excited about these, Dan.
2: Uh Beachbone in particular is I I I you've mentioned about March on uh quick beam and his higher movement value but I still am struggling to see why I would take him over Beachbone mm-hmm. and Beachbone's just ridiculously good at killing stuff he <laughs> really is so good at killing stuff
1: Yeah, I think, I, I, think, um, I think they're all good at killing stuff I think that might be why I did it but I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I like one or the other I think they just both have jobs and maybe you'd run both in a in a list um... yeah
2: I think if I was running Ents only I can see where you can think if I was going to ally them in Beachbone would be the one yeah. i take as a bit of a bit of a tank
1: that makes total sense yeah yes as a as a as an allied force then yeah Beachbone would make make sense to do a job i think if you were i mean i, I think it's fresh in the memory of playing nick and that final round at uh, throne of skulls where he had the one ball band and put it on a on a, an objective i mean he didn't really try to move off that um whether that was a mistake or not, i don't know um but I felt that if he could have put pressure on more objectives, it would have been great. And they're actually slow moving, you know, which makes sense. They have got big long legs, but we know how slow they are. And eight inch move, and then being able to march as well would have a separate mm. war band. If he'd been able to make me fight on two fronts rather than me sort of leaving two or three models on each scenario and chucking, chucking all the rest of my army at his um, ends and still only killing four out of seven in, in lots of turns. I think if I was able to split my force up a little bit, it would have been harder, and you might have been able to. So I'm thinking about that one scenario, but there are obviously lots of scenarios where you are. Um, you need to get about the table and been able to move quicker, and, and would be good as well. But whether you'd fit hit those two and tree beard and enough ents in the force, probably not, um, because they're very expensive. But maybe, maybe. But um, it's really exciting to see those profiles that will really change. I'm hoping there will be models for them. I've seen discussions go both ways online. Um, I was under the impression from these books um, something that I'd heard from, and again, not firsthand. hand, might have been something that they've said at maybe an article or seminar or something that the plan is for all the new books that if there's a profile in the book, they want to release a model for it. And they plan to release a model for it. So that would suggest that these will both receive models. My guess would be 412 models um, in the future. And That's why I'm hoping... That I, what I've heard in the past is, is true and we will see them and I have heard some people say well we won't get models you expected to convert them out of plastics I don't know i got a feeling we'll get models for these hope so anyway I'll have to buy them Sorry. if they do these would be too cool
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it really would be cool I, I, I think I, I will just paint them
3: yeah no model count aren't me it'd be nice and obviously seeing in the key model section seeing Merry and Pippin in there is obviously fantastic
2: <laughs> news for me
1: you can dismount them as well and, and, and do all kinds of little fun little tricks and things by dismounting them um, so um, uh, yeah I, I I will no doubt when those models, I'm going to assume those are coming out later in the year, I will be very tempted to do a, a quick and dirty um, tree tree beard as well probably, but a quick and dirty um, Fangorn list because it'll be low model count I think I can paint them pretty quickly um, and they're just too cool too cool, mm. when I was playing Nick I just wanted him, I wanted his army so uh, <laughs>
3: so uh moving on to the eyes um same thing as with the other lists i don't think anything has changed in the special rules or the army composition um however it does come up with the key models section of it uh and we do get off uh yeah we get a new character in the form of snagger or snagar however you want to pronounce it dan you're the lawman snagar um... snagger
2: I still can't get... uh, No, I'm not even going to start doing the elves. So it's um, probably (laughs) Snugger. But he's really interesting, actually, isn't he, as a character? Mm.
3: Um, Not an Uruk, though.
2: No, no, and I quite like that, because he's the uh, slightly blue-looking, bandy-armed orc that's uh, representative of the eye. So I'm really quite interested in him.
3: Mm. Yeah, I think he's got some cool little rules.
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting. The cunning mind rule, isn't it? And it seems quite situational. So it's not one of those rules that for a, a dim person like me will look at and go, yep, yeah, that you'll use this in this way. I think it's, it's going to be a lot more subtle. Um, and, and very good players will find some really cunning ways of making him uh, behave differently. But basically, you can kind of. Choose not to be part of a, another player's heroic action, or do something different, can't you? With it, not move, and, and then when you move start again afterwards.
2: Marches with cavalry, and he doesn't actually have to be within the, the mm-hmm. distance at the end of it, stuff like that. It could be quite interesting. I think it's going to reward a bit of tactical play. He's definitely going to. I mean, if you just look at his stat line, he's he's not a hammer or anything. He doesn't appear to have any, you know, standout abilities. I think he's just going to be one of those ones you might take more for a, a character. Yeah. I don't know, Carly will do something insane with it in the next 12 months, but we'll wait and see for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we, we hinted on it a little bit there, that the, 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 the biggest surprise, and I hinted, we talked about it in the opening really, although there's a strong hint in the opening, the, the low-hanging fruit that we all thought there would be in this book would there would be a couple of rook, um, new heroes, and uh, that's a given, and of course there will be. Um, and there's none. So with Isengard you've you've got one profile and he's a, he's an orc and he's he's a Mordor orc as well, so he's not got I, Isengard keyword, so um it's quite interesting in a number a number of respects. I think that's the only thing I've seen any kind of slightly negative chatter about the book about people were surprised by it. I not experienced enough to know with the game whether the Isengard really needed it. I think there sort of seems to be a couple of schools of thought. Of one they don't, they've got enough um named heroes already from the books they are all the ones that are named in the books and the films so where would they come from And they don't need it anyway and then the other argument would be they're really really missing that kind of big fighty um three might three attack kind of hero really strong kind of hero to take on your your aragorns and your uh your, uh, you know, your big stuff like that. I honestly don't know. I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't try and it'd be. It would be wrong to pretend because I've got a microphone in front of me that I know how that works with and the balance. I think that um, the faction's probably different to that, and the and the faction designed to work differently, and that's probably why they've gone without it. But it is a little bit of a surprise, I suppose. It's taken us by taken us by surprise. Um, I, I don't know. Should
2: fix the ferals, to be honest. Um, more not fixed, but they. They're never a, a choice you seem to see on the battlefield. Uh-huh. And I think they're quite an interesting unit. I think they're good from a modelling perspective. Yeah, They look fun and it'd be nice to see them. And they're just not a reasonable choice when you compare to them to other items you can take within the Isengard army. And that, that is a shame. Yeah, But otherwise, I think, you know, they didn't need much more. They've got those ridiculous... Saruman model. That's just oh,
1: so it's, pretty. It's beautiful, isn't it? I suppose. I suppose. You know, talking about the the profiles and things, it's talked about his key models for the faction. And uh, with Lurtz being there, and obviously Lurtz doesn't really take part in the the narrative in this book. I suppose that's more of a of a of a fellowship narrative, isn't it? So. So maybe that's where you would like to see. It's interesting because there are a few less profiles in this book, and I think there's about fourteen profiles. I might've got that wrong by one number or so. There's nine or ten in this one, ten maybe. Um, so there's a couple less profiles in this book versus Gondor at War, and that's the other. Th- other than that, I think that's the only difference really in in, in in makeup. And I think there's a few more pages in in Gondor at War, so it does feel odd. Just feel I was just that was my surprise. I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I'm not an Isengard player, but it does feel like something that everyone had, had said was a given. Be interesting how they released Snugger as well. Because with all of the other forge World things... Well, I say, they haven't, say all of the other, but then Aldor and whatever his name are in separate blisters on their own. So I imagine Snuggle will be on his own. Um, there's been a lot of the kind of double-pack type of things, but maybe they're going to move away from that a little bit as well. But I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that there's a very different kind of hero. I think if there would have been an, Uruk, an, an Isengard or a key hero that's a big sort of generally type guy, it would be lovely if they made a profile for the general at Helm's Deep... I know there's a On model the that's supposed to look. Yeah, I think there's a model for him, but there was there's been model for things in the past that have been surpassed, so to speak, um, and, and made into something else. But I they I would have loved to see that model with a profile given to him um, that was a kind of a real fighty, big, killy hero, and I think people would have lapped it up and loved it. But I'm, I'm guessing they've got a reason, a very good reason, why they've not done that, and maybe they felt that aside from the narrative style scenarios and things, that that would have taken away from. The balance of the list and what's good about it. What's good about Isengard is that the basic troops are really, really, really good, and they're all high fight, and they're all so maybe that's their thing: higher fight, basic troops, and and magic is is what that faction's about. So adding big fighty killy characters in it creates imbalance somewhere else. So um, maybe and the yeah, really, yeah, they got a lot of stuff that's really, really good at f- normal stuff that's good at fighting, expensive but good at fighting um yeah. so, i don't
3: think the uric list needs anything it would have just been like seeing a new character would have been cool as well at the same time yeah be, i think i was saying but, list. it's probably one of the more rounded ones
1: exactly and I, was, I think i was saying before we when we were recording this is that they have before we started recording that the, the helm's deep um the attackers of helm's deep legendary legion which we'll come on to later is it gives you a gives you a profile boost anyway for the for the captain that you choose as a as a as a general because there's obviously no named heroes at that battle for for isengard um and that's quite good so they've obviously dealt with the fact that there is uh that is just captains there, so you have one. The one captain gets a bit of a bonus. Um, I haven't looked at the full makeup of it, but um, maybe your your numbers will will help you against the high hero force that you're likely to come across. But you are missing, I suppose. I mentioned it earlier, you're missing a strike, aren't you? So with with all captains, if you get into fights with with heroes with a higher fight value, um, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you roll a six if someone else is rolling a lot of dice and they have rolled a six too. So you sometimes strike is going to help you there, isn't it? But um, yeah, not a negative, just something that surprised me more than anything else.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, then moving on, and then we've got the one that a lot of people are excited about, Dunland. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think seeing this as a, its own separate faction is uh, quite nice.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think this is um, to where the Isengard army may be people will think, well, it's missing a hero. They've got far more here than they thought they'd ever get. And this is, you know, um, if you take the wild man, people can get the Isengard keyword anyway. So this becomes part of the Isengard list in many ways as well. And you can run Dunning with the legendary Legion. So we talked about this earlier, didn't we? About how people are so excited about seeing stuff that they never thought they were going to see. Um, and I think this is the big thing of the release. um, so whether there's an imbalance between how much is here and maybe whether it should have been an Isengard thing will be down to players of those armies, because I really don't know. But it, it, it's definitely very impressive models, and I was surprised that we've got, what, four? How many other? Five, six profiles, six new profiles and under the Dunman um, heading, so very cool.
3: Mm. And they've obviously given you the bits for the... Oh, what's the minigame? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Battle Companies, they've given you the Battle Company profile for Dunland separately as well.
1: Really nice touch. So they've updated it because I think with the Dunland Battle Company there was not much in it because there wasn't much available. Um, and you, you, So they've updated it. So rather than people saying, well, when's that going to come out? Is it going to be an FAQ? They've just printed it in this book. It's one page, which is really nice to see them take care of that system as well within the same book. It makes sense. Um,
3: but
2: yeah, some... Any comments on Dunland? Oh... <laughs> I really really like them um, yeah, as I sort of commented on before It's it's got this Viking-esque kind of look about it, they're more Viking than the Rohan are and the Vi- Rohan are pretty Viking so it's, yeah there's some great stuff in there and the, the profiles are really thoughtful I think that's also another thing I really like about it, there's there's an awful lot of opportunity for some really good synergy in there and I think they're much both them and Isengard would work better as a, an allied mixed force I think as there's a, there's a mixed force, they'll operate better than the sum of their parts.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. And it's quite a mix of profiles of what they do.
2: The um, those skulls are pretty awesome. Those War Axes are pretty awesome.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, 11 points too, but I think, yeah, they're going to be really good.
2: Yeah, they could fight four if you've got them within the uh, range of a hero. Yeah, with so those, 3 uh, inches is big enough. Yeah, and yes, exactly. String 4.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, going to be bad. pretty tasty. Um the only thing you might miss out on a little bit is I suppose they're low fight, aren't they? But um again, if you got you got a hero someone like Kuz mm. off is um is fight 5, isn't he? So that would help.
2: Um, but they all got to fight 4 within 3 inches of a hero do. anyway. They do. So um, which is they've basically almost become, you know, other than the defence, they're pretty much iron heels at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, well mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff that's fight four, I suppose, but he's obviously fight four is is on the good side of the of the average if that makes sense. Oh
2: yeah. Strength four and spears. Mm-hmm. That's that's tidy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, strength 4 is good as well. Yeah, I think they're great. I think they're really good. I
3: think the I think
2: Oathmaker
1: see... so um, on, Sam, sorry.
3: I was just gonna say I think we're gonna see lots of really good out Dunland have now become more than just a couple of models they've become effectively their own faction now
1: yes you'll see that legendary legion a lot because the models are beautiful as well and that drives a lot of people to do it and they they they're good enough they're going to be competitive um and they've all just got like you said as well thought out rules they've got nice gorolf is just a killer um but he's got his heroic defense is really really interesting there um that that a re- he's got a real good mix of being able to to damage output, but then also be able to stay alive. Frida's interesting with the sort of anti-cav effect, um, so she removes um, the, the the gains of, of cavalry, so they can't knock her down, and they are get the bonuses that cavalry will have on the charge. Um, so that's really good as well. So the Wild Man Oathmaker makes. He's got fearless and hatred Rohan as well and he can um what does he do? So he any Dunan included in the same army as the Wild Man, so that's army wide, and gain the Isengard keyword. So that's Which huge if you're doing alloys. He's almost an auto yeah. take if you're gonna allo them, isn't it? You've got to take him there and then suddenly you're oh yeah, that's just that's really, really good. And fifty five points is um it's What's not. Sixty six percent. With
2: mm. a horde army, that's brutal. It's
1: brilliant, isn't it? Really, really cool. Um, I think the, the, the horsemen are probably the most meh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They're not, they obviously can't be as skillful as, as Rohan, that would be that would be wrong, but they're cheap as well for cavalry, only 12 points. Um, and at least they're good at killing horses, which makes sense. They're arch rivals, they, they, they can't kill the horses, but as cavalry as a whole, they're not going to do damage that, that as much damage as most other cavalry in the game, but um. But they fit what they should be, if that makes sense. Um, and then you've got the, 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 the Crabane, haven't you? So that's going to be interesting. As uh, someone who's uh, suffered at the hands of a, uh, um, of a probably 40 mil, I imagine this will be, flying infantry unit at, uh, <laughs> at Throne of Skulls. I imagine that these things at 20 points, which is really cheap, are going to be really useful so um yeah, just you
2: say just useful i say irritating yeah, yeah
1: well useful in the irritating kind of way And I can imagine we'll see again if we go down the route of they're going to release models for each of these we might get models which would be really interesting as well um what you use in the meantime i don't know someone mentioned the dracari when our local chat
2: mentioned the drakari bird things what they're called um oh uh there's already been one on the um I swear I've seen one on the Facebook groups. Oh, I may, well may
1: well have as well. So that, they're the GW models, so I imagine you'd get away with using them in the in the, in the the short term. It's the only GW model I can think of that's a bird. Obviously bat swarms and things, but they're obviously bats, not birds. Um, but I think these things would be great. So 20 points, fly, moving, moving I don't know, move four, but it'd be flying 12, won't they? So... And if it's infantry, that means you can get your light objects. That means you can get your, your heirloom, you can get your um, um, prize. Um, that's good in itself. And then we got keen sight. So enemy models within 12 inches of one or more um, gain no benefit from stalk unseen. Um, and then the cloud of birds. So, shoot, so shooting attacks will only ever hit a crowbin on a roll of a natural six as well. So I mean, it's not like you can shoot them at the sky as well. So I think it can be, like you said, annoying. I think twenty points you're gonna you've gotta find space for a couple of these in your army. Just really, really good. Even in your Isengard armies and nothing else, you'd get some of these in there. So good for scenario play. And very interesting.
3: Yeah. Uh, moving on then to Legendary Legions, which we've come to expect out uh all of the books thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're gonna uh, cover these as in depth but I I think for our, they're going to probably appear in some of our top threes. Would you agree? Yes,
1: I definitely. One of the, one of these is one of my favourite things, and it'll be very apparent when I read out the name of it. What, why? Um, but yeah, we won't we won't cover these in detail because we could do sections uh, oh. and shows as a, as as a, you know as as itself. Um, we don't want to turn this into a two hour full review of the book, so to speak. It's supposed to be an overview, but um, I don't know. Do you want to read out what the legendary Legions are, or something? Sam, take us through the names of them.
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, so we've got the Defenders of Helm's Deep. Yay! We have got Theodred's Guard.
2: That's my favourite. Uh,
3: the Riders of Eomer. Which is fun. have pa- uh, apologies da- in advance for how I p- try and pronounce this. Paths of the Druadan.
2: That's it. <laughs> oh, is
3: actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Ugluck Scouts, which you can imagine, I'm quite excited about. The wolves of Isengard, uh, the assault upon Helm's Deep, army of Dunland, and that is it. For
1: the that's, it for game the, game. that's it for them. That's for the main ones. So, I think they're really good. I think I don't think they've missed anything. I mean, you could have. I don't mean, I hinted at when we talked about the scenario play that you could have potentially had a. Want people wanted to do a ride out one with you where you've got your Aragon and your Theoden riding out of Helm's Deep etc. But I think defenders Helm Deep was a bit of a bit of a given, and I'm going to be doing that. Um, what is it you like about Theodred's guard, Dan? What's your uh...
2: I love the fact that it piggybacks off um uh, uh, Theoden's rules, obviously because he can uh, Theodred basically counts as Theoden for the purpose of. um and special rule it's, yeah. the name of it escapes me it's getting late <laughs> it um but uh that's one reason really cool i've always really enjoyed that part of the actual books the the fords of eisen yeah um and how about i, thought, I always thought it was underplayed if you, in the movies if you know what i mean yeah i always thought it was um you know perhaps a little bit un- underdone um the, basically you know they, they just killed him off without that really he he was someone of note and i really liked him or the, sort of the area around him in the books but there's also the um the swarm protector they are going to be so hard to shift yeah and yeah. fighting ranks it is an actual a defensive rohan list that's feasible an infantry list yeah which i quite like the idea of to be honest it's a mix up on what you usually expect to see from a rohan army
1: you could do a complete mix, and or you could build it either way with these. You can do all mounted, you could do a mix, and I like it because so you've got that sort of your fighting ranks rule that you carries over from um, the, uh, the defenders of Helms Deep thing. So I think that's really good. Basically, for people who haven't got the book or follow that, the fighting ranks means that you can use your your throwing spears as spear supports basically. So it's given something that Rohan have never had before, which is spear support. So it makes your foot. Um, Fighters viable against sort of the normal formations of play, which is really really good. Um, Expensive, expensive. Yeah, Yeah, it is expensive. Um, I'm happy to be doing it for the Defenders of Rohan. I think it works really. Defenders of Helm Deep. I think it works well. But yeah, whether I'd write a foot list for that's not thematic in that way, I don't know. Uh, Riders of Airmir is the um, is the it's basically Gandalf and Ercanbrand and a m o riding down the hill to um, um, relieve the siege and, and, and win the day. Um, that could be quite cool as well. It'd be a nice theme. Um, I think a lot of people will have have a Gandalf model. I know that while I won't be building this list as such, um, I'll be building a generalized Rohan army. And I've got Gandalf plastic model, so I'm sure at some point that I'm going to uh, try this out for a different theme. Um, and it seems to be fairly fairly well balanced it's probably not as competitive as the 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 Palenor one from Gondor at War, that'll be your standard that you see on most tabletops but it's still really really, still still got its good tricks and things, looks so good um, pass of the Druin Dan is probably one that i won't be doing i can't imagine me running out and buying woses for a few years yet i've got a lot to paint through before i start getting to the stages of sort of finding woses and stuff but it's really and really cool and maybe something i wouldn't have expected to see um so that's the bit in the book isn't it when they're on the way to pelinor and they're going to be they're not going to get there because their path is blocked um and that um, um, Garn Garn they have a meeting don't they yeah Garn Garn sort of agrees to to help them um, so he takes them through secret paths so they can get to Pelennor on time so it's really cool so it's quite a small part of the book but such an important part and it's now covered in a legendary legion so I love the way that these are it just kind of give you a theme to go with um, and you can sort of just take it you can take it to a match play event but also just use it as a as a guide to playing some sort of narrative based games as well it's perfect Talk about your favourite one then, Sam. So We talked about this when we first started the game, didn't we? That you said you just want to do all scouts. You love scouts. And what's the best way to do them? Well, this might be the best way to do them now, I'm guessing.
3: Oh, the, the movement buffs that you're going to get from running this particular ledge ridiculous. Um, Obviously, mar-her, 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 <laughs> um, is, uh, is one of those uh, captains that I personally always think of simply because playing halflings hobbits you tend to move four inches (laughs) so having the ability to be able to move eight inches with an infantry model is ridiculous um and basically the first thing that stuck out to me was that in this one pretty much everything gets eight inch movement wow straight off the bat
2: yeah it's that animosity thing as well plus one to wound oh that's brutal
3: it's um, there's a lot of good things in this. Uh, although uh, Urux didn't necessarily get loads in terms of characters, this particular Legendary Legion I think is lovely.
1: Yeah,
2: I like this. I don't,
3: I don't think it's going to slow down the amount of Isengard uh, forces that you see on the table. I just think that you might see a slight shift from standard Urux in Helms Deep Armour, and you'll see a lot more scouts, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a popular theme anyway, and a lot of people like it.
2: I think if
1: um, yeah. we get, um, as I keep referencing Ben, I know he loves his Isengard, and get him on the shirt at some point, and then he will give you some plenty of, uh, in fact, I probably don't want him to give you plenty of help with your Isengard, but he's uh, yeah. he'll uh, <laughs> he'll give you some tips on um, some good Isengard lists and things, and he definitely likes his scouts and things, so it looks Excuse cool. Excuse
2: to get hold of those cool models as well with Merry um, and Pippin on the back.
3: Yes, you've yeah.
2: got it if you, It's you know.
3: almost as if I've got two of them. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> Although, do you, I didn't realize you had those. Nice. Did you not? Know? Oh, no, he, he has everything. Oh, forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stu and I were talking about this a while ago, and off off the being track. But we were trying to work out what you would class them as. Like, would you class them as musicians? Would you Class them as standard bearers? Like, what? How would you class those two models in your mm. normal everyday games? Yeah, you could actually give well, them inside. Ad- I was, I was adamant that they were going to come with special. But in fact, I thought Am Ammon Hen would be sort of lumped into this book because it would fit more with the Eyes and Guard side of it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah, this is their list, isn't it? That would have them good you got yeah. Snaga there. Um, you got Uruk-hai drummers in there. I mean, I, I, I would be very happy to play against you with you using them as drummers. They're going to stand out, aren't they? Um, very clearly, or yeah. what? Or what they what they should be? Um, very different from anything else, I think. Accounts as drummer or something would be really, really cool.
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to having a play around with this for sure.
1: Fantastic! Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what you've got. You've got the models already for a lot of, it, haven't you? So it'll be it'd be maybe something we'll see soon.
3: Yeah. We'll see. Um, <laughs> cool. So, I believe that's it for our quick look at the Legendary Legion. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you, you you predicted this one uh, more in-depth siege rules, and it effectively covers it for even if you're playing in a normal game.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just in it's, these are additions to to what's in the main rulebook. Um, as I say, I've only skimmed this part as well, but you just it's, you've got you've got some rules for attacking gates and doors and some sort of strengths and things given on to them and um, there's like sort of equipment which you can pay points for for defenders so running points and barricades and rocks and boiling oil and things so the things you expect to find in sieges um, and then there's the same for attackers as well so equipment you can buy so a siege tower and a siege ladder and battering ram so it's just a way of kind of adding to your standard forces to buy them things that make the game helps the game play differently as well but within a within a given points um, and then there's um, two scenarios which are stranger- siege ones so there's a grand siege and then defend the village so you've kind of got that big walls or use your palisades type of thing I think we talked about things that might be in the book and the release and i you know, i think a couple of people have asked us will they bring back the helm's deep model and i said it probably won't but i wonder if the Palisades had has been designed so that you can use them in siege games and it looks like that's what they were designing to do so we have brought out a model that you can play these games with so but i'm looking forward to trying them out and even before the helm's deep i've built it which is going to be a big project i'll have those palisades so um, there's going to be nothing stopping me when I've built a few things actually sort of trying out these rules so it might be something fun to do one weekend
3: um, you've then got all of the Rohan buildings section where it's sort of covering the building, the painting the how you're going to do all these little bits and bobs and we've already seen some fantastic massive structures being built out of people using this
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely someone built a really massive tower type thing didn't they
2: one thing I did notice, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the first time they've ever referred to an airbrush in a stage-by-stage Mm-mm. in a GW book, because they do refer to spraying with an airbrush, which mm. I did find very interesting, because they've normally shied away from things like that because they don't produce one. No, so I, I, I found I, that quite interesting. I must
1: admit, I've not read the words to this section. I've just looked at the pretty pictures. Um, mm. and,
3: and I'm not just... sure if the, if the scouring mentions it or not. I can't remember uh... off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, to yeah, back a
3: check. Certainly certainly a new new thing if if that's the case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they don't stop producing their own one and I guess get some done on license. <laughs> as long as it's better than that bolter thing with the compressed air can. Remember that? The flame, no, it was a hand flame. It was a flamer. Yeah, yeah flamer, not a bolter. That was that was interesting.
2: Oh no, uh, you're right, because... Sam, it is mentioned they're hobbit houses. You were very oh, right. There you go.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a lovely section with lots of examples of the studio painted stuff and how you might do it and what colours you might use and a, and a real big, and a lovely double spread of the board that's going to be in Warhammer World um, of the Rohan Settlement, which I'm looking forward to seeing at some point this year when I get back up there. Um, so, yeah, it's a lovely It's lovely to flick through and have, what was a good 10, 15, about 10 pages of maybe more of full colour stuff. Just to get your um, juices pages. flowing for the game, and it just looks fantastic. It really makes you—it's the stuff that when you were a kid that you'd flick through and just make you want to play the game and buy shopping lists of models you can never afford to buy, sort of thing. So yeah, definitely,
3: definitely very cool. Uh, let me just—sorry, I'm trying to flick through the book as we're doing this. They obviously, go on sort of showcases for all the different parts, how to build a, a particular Rohan table as well. Uh, and then you've got the appendix uh, which has got uh, Helmham Hand which Dan mentioned earlier uh, as well as uh, a scenario featuring the is it the Candish Knights?
1: Yes I believe so. So you've got, so basically the appendix is um, almost like an historical dip into to Rohan a bit like there was in the, the scouring as well wasn't there there's the section with um
2: uh,
1: Golf. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, excuse excuse Gorfin- no not Golfinball. What's the what's the goblin's name?
2: Uh you, Go- you're half right. It's just you you're uh, almost there,
1: aren't you? It's the time of night show. Anyway, we won't stay and try and think about that. But yeah, that the appendix is kind of like that, it's sort of past battles, pre prequel to um the the time of the War of the Ring. So you've got yeah, like you said, you've got your Helmhammerhand hand profile. There are three scenarios i believe so the field of um calibrant which is um fighting um candish chariots and things well the candish chariots are representing something at that time um, and then you've got an assault on edoras and then you've got the birth of helms deep um so cool scenarios and then you've got a legendary legion haven't you for called helms guard which uh, looks like it could be quite tasty because helm looks quite t- quite um his profile's quite good. Expensive, but um when
3: he's part of that legendary legion. Um this is it's the good. first append appendices um legendary legion we've seen as yeah, Is there think one in so. Gondor at War?
1: Um I don't believe so, he says we're grabbing his Gondor at War which is the next turn.
2: Yeah I've just gone to find it. Um Uh no there is uh Black opens looks like right?
1: Ah, I didn't realise that wasn't with all the others. No,
2: that's
0: Blackgate, sorry, Blackgate, no, it, uh, Black Gate.
1: No, Black Black Gate opens is with all the other legendary legions in it, in Gondor. No, war. there isn't. You're right. So there's no appendices in Gondor war. So the first appendices obviously was in the Scouring. So, so it's more similar to that, as I said, with the non-war of the Ring focus. That's probably why it's an appendices rather than a separate. But yeah, Helmet's pretty good. Um, and she's got. Horn of hammer Helm Hammer Hand, which is a-, a war horn. Um and the turn he which is charged in which he charges the combat he causes terror until the end of turn. Um what is he? He's a fight five, strength five, defence seven, three attacks, three wounds, courage six, three three one. Um and he's got resolve, strike, strength, defence, challenge. Um it's pretty good. 165 points so ten points extra for the horse, and he's burly. Ouch. Expert Rider, Horse Lord, Inspiring Presence. So, plus one fight value within six. That's quite good. Um, so, you can hammer hand. You can choose to fight with his fists instead of with his weapons. Um, Queensbury rules. <laughs> and so, it's
2: that five value yet.
1: Yeah, it's only five. But I believe I think there's a. Um, let's have a look. So on the Helms Guard Legendary Legion. Let's look at the um, friendly round models on. with thrown throwing spears. We're using with standard spears. So. Um, so that's basically, it's got a different name, but it seems the same as the, the new rules and the defenders of Helm's Deep Rule and things. And then King of Rohan, Helm Hamhan gains the mighty hero special rule. Additionally, Helm Hamhan may declare heroic combat each turn without spending might. That's pretty big. So That's massive. That's huge. So I think it's in in the Legendary Legion, I think he becomes brilliant Um, by the looks of that. I imagine on his own. Well, you can't take him with other heroes anyway because of the different era. Immediately becomes impossible allies. So he's gonna. You're basically you're gonna run him as legendary legion, aren't you? Especially with that. That why would you not? <laughs> well, yeah, a heroic combat each turn without spending might. That's huge, especially when you consider yeah, that it's a pretty strong character. As well. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that legendary legion will get played. Um, it looks like there's a. Even though there's no picture by the profile if you look at the page on the helm's guard there's this lovely new looking model which can only be helm um looks like a 4 rolled sculpt as well so i imagine we're going to see him at some point in the in the coming months um and people will play it because because he's cool and that's a real cool theme to the army um yeah that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see but that model looks lovely it's not something i'd immediately jump to because i'm going to be so focused i imagine on uh, um, doing defenders of helms deep and sort of building a general rohan army but i imagine that model's going to look so gorgeous when it comes out it's going to be very tempting but again it's like adding one model isn't it to your if you have an army if you have a collection so if you've got your royal guard you've got your standard rohan and you add one model in it and it and run a different Ledgering Legion, it completely changes the way that the, the army plays and the way and the, and the narrative that you're playing within as well. It's, it's so flexible the way the heroes and the legendary legions do that within this game, it makes it very cool.
3: Yeah, love it. Okay, so that is the entirety of the book. In our I'm going to say brief <laughs> summary, a bit longer than we thought, but. Right. It's, a, it's okay. Um, so to wrap it up then, uh, I'm going to chew on the spot. Stew, what's your top three things from the book?
1: Right. So very personally based, I love the Defenders of Helm's Deep Legendary Legion because I want to do it. It's probably not the most sort of um, standout in terms of what was a surprise, but I just want to do it. So it's cool. I love both the new Ents. I know that's two things, but um, it's really cool to see them because so I think that will change that army. And then the Dunlans, sculpts I think they are so good, and I think we weren't expecting them, so that's that's something I've put in brackets in my notes. That special mention to the grubbing because I just think they're going to be <laughs> going to be um, very interesting, very different. Um, this is the kind of thing you've seen like your your magma, your Moria lists, and your bats and stuff, but you don't see that in an Isengard list. So I think it'll be different, I think it'll be good good to have for, not for for a scenario play kind of thing. Um, back to you guys then. What are your favourite bits? Cool. Damn.
2: Uh, Beachbone, I think he's wicked. Um, I think definitely with the frallying in as a bit of a tank, he's gonna. I reckon you'll see him because he is with the, the, all the rerolls in particular. I think he could be pretty good. Uh, the Wild Man, Oathmaker, because I think the way obviously he introduces your Isengard keyword dramatically changes that army, being able to put hordes of blokes on it, not to mention Fearless Bubble. Really, really good. And then uh, I really like the ride out scenario. because It's quite nice to see one which is, you know, feeds that inner eight year old where you've got just, it's not over till everything's dead. I love that. It's just simple. Really like it.
3: Yeah. It's a nice little one. Cool. Uh, and then my three uh, is the Grishnak's end scenario, the Causeway scenario, because I like the idea of just running Aragorn and how many Uruks you can kill. Um, and then the Fangorn army list in itself, I think they're the they're my three big things from here. Make them as a surprise not to put the uh, the um, Uruk Legendary Legion in there. But I, I, although it's good, I don't think it's as good as that.
2: I think they're all good choices. I think we're going to see lots of different things change from the... Sort of this book it's going to be a bit of a mover and shaker and i really like that yeah absolutely yeah.
3: i think the the two things that we're going to see especially come out of uh, this book is although it's a rohan book there's already loads of rohan already out there so i think we're going to suddenly see a massive influx of dunland and a massive influx in fangorn over the next sort of six months or so yeah,
0: I, I think, think it'd be think good it be to see right. an
2: army that's not Theoden and a bunch of riders as well. I think we'll see different <laughs> kinds of mm. Rohan armies. You know, not gambling with banner plus Theoden plus, you know, there's an army. I think you may see some of these other legendary got. I think you may see Theodred. I think that's a solid army and a really interesting take on. It. I think that's where I'd go if I were to paint Rohan. But I've no more red and no, sorry, no more brown and green. No. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, while they're probably not as good competitively, if you're going to be really, if you're going to be competitive minded, as um, as the the, the riders of Thed and Thing from Gondor War, I think both the A.M.R. and the Thed and lists are good, and you know are, are relatively competitive as well. So I think we'll see those as a bit of a change. And I think you're right, Sam, is that we might see some of the other things. I think if they if they release those Ents, if they're models, then we'll see Ents for sure. Um and then we might see some different Uruk lists and things as well. Um and it's and there's not a lot of releases to go, which is a nice thing as well, as much as there's there's some models that aren't out, you can see, right, what's next. So it'll be interesting to see what comes up.
3: Completely agree. Absolutely. Agreed. Cool. Uh, Stu, do you wanna play us out. <laughs> well I'm gonna hand the reins back to you.
1: <laughs> oh they're all sweaty um so <laughs> so we're going to go for a short break and when we come back we'll just be closing the sh- down with a few messages and things and maybe a competition and we're back to say goodbye really but before we go um we're gonna have a little competition so I'm going to pass you over to, to Sam because Sam is the provider of the prize for the competition um, and he can come up with a little idea today. So so Sam, talk us through what you're going to give away and how people can win.
3: Cool. So uh, we've had fantastic support from the community on many, many sides uh, since we started the podcast and as a sort of a thank you to everyone, uh, we're going to be giving away a the old Theoden Sculpt, the not new plastic one but the old metal one still in blister uh mounted and unmounted um for our adoring fans Uh, for (laughs) for anybody who's listening and enjoying what we so yeah so we're going to be giving that away um dan came up with the wonderful idea that the easy way to win this prize is uh, i want you to come up with your best hobbit name you can base it on anything you've done in the past. However, it must be clean enough that we can say it on the show. But we'll take uh, slight hints <laughs> at anything anything other than that. The, uh, and we're not going to put a closing date on this. We're just basically going to decide that well, when we've had enough, we've had enough, and we'll uh, announce the winner on our next show. I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't. We we were talking about when the next show might be, and we just don't know um it's not going to be it's not going to be a long long time but um there's a chance it could be a couple of weeks because of christmas and new year we're recording on the 17th now so i imagine the show you're going to be listening to this from 18th 19th depending when i can get it edited and out um so there won't be another one before christmas that's for definite uh, we might get a, an evening when we're all free and want to talk between christmas and the year but i imagine that it's going to be a january record um and if it's too early in january and a lot of you have been too busy eating and socializing over christmas you might not have listened to this show yet so we'll leave it open and um if it's about three weeks before the next show, we might announce it on the next one. If we feel that it's too short, we might just tick it, run it over to a, to another one after that. So uh, watch this space um, and get your answers um, in.
3: Yeah, I, I guess it probably should tell you where to put them as well. Um, <laughs> uh, send them to our email address, which uh, Stu is lovingly going to say out loud for me because I will get it wrong.
1: Well, let's say that you can you can get in contact with us for the answer for this on any of our social media, and we oh, will as idea. the answers come in, we will just collate them and, and put them in a list. So you can, um, I'll cover this now as well. Then, so you can like us while you're at it. I like our Facebook page. <laughs> See what we did there. Um, just search out of the frying pan podcast on Facebook. Um, you could join our group and post it in there if you wanted to as well. Um that's a Facebook group. That is. You could follow us on Instagram at. OOTFP um, podcast, um, and you could uh, tweet us. Um, you could at us on Twitter at OOTFP. Um, if you want to just email us directly, you can do that at podcast at gmail.com um so but joking aside please get in touch with us join our groups and stuff it's um it's not just because we want validation um <laughs> it does actually help there's a lot more people that are, a lot we've had a lot of downloads for the last couple of shows not much more than i expected at this early stage of the podcast so thank you for everyone that's downloaded but there's a lot more people have downloaded that have liked the page or, or joined the group and stuff um you just if you know, if you can, if you can like our page on Facebook, it goes a long way to showing that um, we're worth listening. Um, so, yeah, if you, if it's something you're happy to do, uh, we will be very appreciative of it. Um, but yeah, that's apart from the social media bits, that's it.
2: Um, Sam, Dan, have you got anything you want to shout out before we go? Just the usual uh, thank you to the Legion Paper and to everyone I uh, bumped into at uh, Throne of Skulls, and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Fortunate Son of Horus. And Sam.
3: Ah, uh, cool. Uh, I, I'm just going to say a big massive thank you to everyone who's shown us support over the last couple of months, it's been great, it's been absolutely outstanding to see humbling and, uh, for us us uh, new boys in the uh, Middle Earth scene um, it's nice to know that uh, I, I was going to try and say Bilbo's quote about dinner being always at five or whatever it is <laughs> but yeah, you're always welcome here and thank you very much for all the support you've shown us thus far
1: I like that, that swish, I like it. Um, but yeah, I'll echo that as well. Thank you for everyone that supported the show so far. It's done definitely, we've gone a lot quicker and in, in terms of growth than we thought we would do, especially being relative unknowns within the in the community. So it's been really good. So thank you to everyone, and uh, thank you to everyone again that I played and met over the weekend at Throne of Skulls. So it's a pleasure to meet you all. Um, all right, then. So we're going to love you and leave you. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and we'll catch you in the new year. Rah!